Two guys in different spots staying at home, but still talking on the radio. It's a miracle. Pinder and Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, all things considered, that was, I, I think, a fairly eventful weekend, specifically knowing the weekends that we have gotten used to over the last three months. The weekend of uh, June 12th, pretty eventful. And it kind of was led by the absolute mess that is Major League Baseball, an absolute disaster. And don't tell me that either side is any better than the other right now. As greedy as the owners are being right now, and and they definitely are coming off very much that word, the players aren't sitting here making it easy either. It's not like the players are bending over backwards and saying, yeah, let's negotiate, let's meet somewhere in the middle. Both are standing hard and strong on financial issues, and as such, we're sitting in a world where, Clyde, I don't think it's crazy to think that, you know, as much as Rob Manfred said late last week that, He guarantees there will be baseball this year. And as much as the most prominent of Major League Baseball insiders say this is going to happen, and it is going to happen, it just might not happen in good faith, but like this this is one of the most embarrassing sports stories of the pandemic, if not the most embarrassing. I'm not saying, and we're going to get into some of the issues that the NHL and the NBA are having in their returns to play, but for a league that is trying to start a season in the midst of a worldwide pandemic and they can't even get out of their own way in terms of how people are going to get paid and how they're going to split revenue in this world where hundreds of thousands and millions of people in North America have lost their jobs and are relying on the government to uh, sustain right now financially. This is what is holding Major League Baseball back from playing ball. This is what is holding up training camps. This is what is dominating the news cycle. And it's embarrassing. And and it just got worse this weekend. And now Major League Baseball has said, we're or, or the players have said, Please just mandate what we're going to do. We're only employees, and uh, when this season's done, we're going to file a grievance. This is this is as bad a look as anybody in sports has had since the pandemic began in mid-March, and it has only gotten worse. At no point, Klein, has this got, thing gotten better. No, no, and you said that um, if we have a season, it won't be in good faith, and we are well past that point. It'll just be varying degrees of bad faith, um, and I wonder what <laughs> yeah. the, the players' move um, would be uh, if they're mandated, or when, I suppose, that they're mandated to come back. I mean, at that point, you kind of have to, but then... What's the the next step beyond that? Because there are, you can't just say, okay, you guys are playing. Cool. All right. Here's my glove. Let's go. Like there's still a number of things that need to be worked out beyond that. This is just an absolute tire fire of a situation. And for Major League Baseball to be in this, I remember back around when I was first coming back on the the show, like around April, May-ish, maybe even before that. But someone was saying, look, Major League Baseball and the Players Association cannot just for optics cannot allow this season to not happen or for this to drag on because of money and at the time it was like well no of course like there's no way look crazy how would they yeah exactly like we were in the early stages the nhl and the nba getting their stuff figured out but it was like well no those are going smoothly like what's the problem and then it just mushroom clouded like it, it has been so bad there's been zero positivity from major league baseball at any point 
basically since they were last playing exhibition games while the entire rest of the world was shutting down. Like th this is, this has been so bad right from the word go for major league baseball. And for a while we've been talking about, look, if they, if they can't come back, then this is going to do irreparable damage to major league baseball. I think the damage has been done to be perfectly honest. I think if you have a league mandated season and the players come back now and file a grievance, I don't think everyone's going to be saying, Oh, thank God baseball's back. Like it, th no, I, they've I think already we done are, the damage. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're beyond that point. And so now for major league baseball, like the best thing you can do is to mandate the, the season and just bring it back and just get this thing rolling and try to get at least a couple positive headlines. I just don't know where you find them. The only way you salvage this is if in the next little bit here, next week or so, both sides come to their senses and, and both sides actually negotiate in good faith. Because that's what's, look, that's what's missing in this whole thing is that I, I've, covered, I've covered one full lockout in the NHL and it was infuriating. I was here for another one, but wasn't on the air full time, but had my fair share of, of listening to, to Robbie and, and Bruce Dobigan talk about the lockout in 2004, 2005. And what everybody always talks about is, Oh, this is millionaires and billionaires. That has never been more apparent than this one. How do you feel sorry for either side at this point when you're talking about players fighting for their prorated salaries and, well, I need my I need my tens of millions instead of just my single-digit millions and we're not going to stand for anything else. And I know that players who are lower paid, it, it becomes a little bit different, but it's the same thing as, as we talked about off the hop. In the United States, millions of people are unemployed right now. Literally, millions of new people on top of the millions that were already unemployed like any other country. That's what this pandemic has done. And these top 0.01 percentile paid human beings are fighting so they can get theirs and be paid their millions in full. Like, how do you have sympathy for them the same way? Like, how do you have sympathy for, for these owners who are not making any concessions and won't budge on this prorated conversation? It is infuriating, and I think you're right. Unless they can figure something out, and unless both sides come to the table here and actually do some good faith negotiating, I, I don't know how they can ever salvage their public image, or at the very least, it's going to take some time. And look at how long it took for them to salvage their public image in the 1990s, and that was before the advent of social media and immediate news and all of what goes along. They are doing ridiculous damage to their brand right now. Both sides are. And it hurts everybody involved in the sport. And, and I like it, it, it's, it is hard to wrap your head around how they can be this at odds in this situation. And I know that this has been brewing for decades between the two sides, but we're talking about a time when you have to start to be a little more open to compromise. And, and neither side to this point has been, it's infuriating because we just want to see baseball this summer. Yeah, and it's at the point where if you just want to see baseball this summer on Friday, uh, we we all picked our favorite uh, Korean baseball league team, Go Heroes. Um, so it's like if you want to see baseball, there's baseball on. You can go to that. And if I'm the NBA, I'm looking at how everything is stacking up. I'm like, well, okay, so our season's gonna be done in October. We could come back in December, Christmas Day, and just run through July and just have that be our schedule. And our only and our only competition. Are these dumbasses and the Olympics every four year? Oh, I'm in. Oh, count me in for sure. Like yeah. if I'm any other sports league, I'm I am absolutely trying to do that because Major League Baseball just completely falling over themselves. And even if they get this thing figured out uh, with 
the the mandated player or whatever, they still have to figure out how they're going to safely do this. And we were talking off air. If I'm a visiting team, I don't know if I'm super stoked to fly into Texas to hang out for a weekend. Like it's, it is an absolute disaster every step of the way for Major League Baseball. And it's only going to get worse as they're negotiating about money. There's going to have to be player safety involved. They haven't even got to that point yet. No, no, they haven't even got to the NHL. The NHL and the NBA have figured out testing and and protocols and they've got bubbles. Major League Baseball isn't even at the point yet for health and safety. And, and, uh, it's infuriating. Yeah. It, it, I don't even know where my favorite baseball team is going to play if they do this thing. Like, they still have to figure out where an entire franchise is going to spend the next 160 games or 50 games now or whatever. Like, it's they are so far behind anywhere they should. They should be getting, like, spring trading should be now. We should be gearing up for the start of the regular season on July 4th with baseball and apple pie and fireworks and, oh, what a beautiful thing it'll be. Instead, nothing. And it's it's going to be a lot of nothing for Major League Baseball, I think, for a long time now. 100%. What an absolute mess. Here's yeah. a couple of texts. 960-960. Baseball is not as important as it seems to think it is. It's about to go up against the NHL playoffs, which will destroy Blue Jay ratings in Canada, and the NBA playoffs, which will kill baseball ratings in the U.S. They are about to have competition like they've never had, and if they want to pull this, they might be surprised at how few people care if they don't get their season going. Uh, this from Noah. I guess they'll need PEDs to help save the game after this. Oh, wait, that's already happened. I believe there's a documentary that has been um, uh, well-hyped about to the PED era and the last time that baseball needed to be saved in 1999 by a bunch of juiced-up idiots. <laughs> eh, idiots in a good way because they're idiots crushing home runs, but Mark McGuire yeah. and Sammy Sosa and, like, eh, yeah, you know what? They, they, were, they were juiced-up uh, roid fiends. We all know that now, but that's what it took to save baseball in 1999 after what happened in 94. It took half a decade for something like that, uh, a home run chase for the ages, to come back and and, uh, and save the game. Uh, this reads, my good friend who lives in Dallas lost his job in March and has been a huge supporter of the Rangers, has spent thousands on tickets and swag. He told all of us on a Facebook post this morning he's done with Major League Baseball, totally done. I'm with them 100%. And then one on the other side, there won't be any lasting consequences of a labor dispute because fans are stupid. Anytime a lockdown, a lockout is resolved, um, fans always come back in full force and then let their cities give money to sports owners for free to construct new buildings. Tinder on the text line today. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, the I, I say that in jest, but th- there's, there's wisdom in that text in that, yeah, the last NHL lockout didn't really hurt the economic model of the league. People came back in droves, but this one's a little bit different. I wonder, like, the lasting consequences of a labor dispute that looks awful publicly in the midst of a worldwide pandemic that we still don't know what the lasting effects are on world economies. We don't know what the lasting effects are on individual human beings' livelihoods for the long term. Like, there's still so much outside of what we don't know about the the, the virus itself and, and the lasting health effects of it. Like, we, we don't even know what the lasting effects of, of employment are going to be and, and what people's incomes look like when this is all said and done. So I, I don't know yeah. if we can say the same thing that, well, clearly people are just come back because fans are dumb. What, what if people can't come back because they can't afford it or their money has to be more well spent and baseball rubbed them such a wrong way that, you know what, I'm not going to spend my money on baseball. That's going to go to other things that I deem now to be more important. 
Well, and you, you've just had uh, basically an entire planet, but in, in specifically Major League Baseball's case, an entire continent, spend the last three months figuring out other ways to entertain themselves aside from watching professional sports. And if you continue to give people a reason to not tune back into your product, eventually they're going to get in the habit of just not tuning back into 100%. your product. It, it, yeah, like it, it, I just... When, when hockey had their lockout and they came back and everyone was, was so happy to come to see them back and there was the welcome back TV ads and, and stuff like that, you're dealing with that sport in a country where it is absolutely king. And I, I would suggest that they, they haven't really got to a point in the States where they would have wanted to get to even in the, the last 20 years or so. And that's with things going so far pretty well for the NHL. Um, you just, you, you create this situation where you have people kind of figuring out they don't need major league baseball and people are getting pretty used to it now i think they'll be okay um so i yeah this is i think this is going to do irreparable damage i don't think this is unless a, they the can figure it out dumb situation unless they can well, figure like, it out so if an announcement came out today that was like ah we figured it out. a couple guys just like locked on a zoom call until we could get this thing sorted out but hey, everything's fine now. Do, do you think like everything just goes back to normal for them? Like, yeah, I, I think there I, I is do, a ton of damage done already. I, I do because at the very least it shows, I think it can do, I don't know if it erases everything, but I, I do think that what it does is allows people to say, okay, well, both sides actually decided to negotiate in good faith. Right now, that's what I think is frustrating everybody is all they're doing is negotiating for their own best interest, which is what negotiation's about. I'm not a dummy, but I think what's frustrating is that it's it's in this climate, it's in this situation, it's at this time of of human beings' existence when that's not necessarily what needs to be the only paramount thing. What about the good of the game? And and if both sides can come together with more of the good of the game in mind, then I think it will erase a good chunk of the damage that has been done. But that's the only way. The league mandating yeah. a season on the players and that having lasting consequences on the relationship between the two sides. That won't do it. Them just playing games and being on TV won't do it. There, there's got to be, especially when in the news cycle, when everybody knows what's going on, all you got to do is go onto a website or go on Twitter and, and read Jeff Pass. And like, all you got to do is, is educate yourself for two seconds and you know what's going on. So yeah, that that's the only way that I see it. And even even if all of a sudden everything just gets figured out, we can then spin to oh, and by the way, um, our more sto most storied franchise and the one who probably got screwed over the most in the sign stealing of the Astros and Red Sox may have also been stealing signs too. So sweet, okay, awesome, great. Like it's just the the hits continue to come for Major League Baseball. Well, that's a good way to start the program. Welcome to another week of Pandemic Pinder and Steinberg. My name is Pat Steinberg. He's Peter Klein. He is Logan Gordon. And uh, it's an exciting day for me, Klein. I saw Logan Gordon in person. In fact, <laughs> Logan Gordon is sitting about 13 feet from me right now, back in studio, in our, ba in, in, in our downtown studios, uh, hanging out here. And uh, I'm now back here full time. I don't know what that means for our Instagram Live. I'm still working on it. Um, so that, that might be back at some point, uh, for the time being, it's, it's not able to return, uh, just for, uh, technology reasons, but I'm working on that. Uh, but, uh, back in the downtown studios, it was good to go to Manchu walk today at the, uh, at the core. It was good to work downtown. It was good to see Logan. It was good to walk around the building. Uh, it's nice to be back. And while it's not quite 
what we were used to pre-pandemic, walking through the core, walking through some of the downtown buildings. Uh, June 10th, they opened up a few more of the plus 15s. We're still nowhere close to the plus 15 network being open the way we're used to, but it's a whole lot closer to normal. I was here for the first few days of lockdown on the first few days of pandemic. I believe March 18th was the last day we were here. It to feel significantly different than March 18th. It was a ghost town. And Logo, you've been you've been here the entire time, and you'd be able to speak to this more than anybody else. But it, it feels like things are getting a little bit more back to normal around downtown. I, yeah, there's there's directional signs and there's six foot spacers and tables are taken out all over the place to enforce physical distancing. All those things are a part of the reality right now. But it does feel a little bit more uh, like normal than the last time I was downtown. Yeah, I mean, it's been months and months now. It feels like longer than that. But, you know, now there was like when we started this, there was nobody downtown for any reason whatsoever. Now, everyone, you know, it seems like people are okay walking around a bit, going to the parks and not just, you know, staying away from everything or okay being outside. I think the weather probably helps with that too. But it it's starting to feel normal-ish it's certainly not normal normal especially even in the building where you know we're still restricted to where we can go but it's starting to feel a little bit more like regular days yeah agreed 100 percent. and uh it's it's cool to be back so i'm i'm happy to be back uh and back in the uh downtown studios we uh, Clan, I had lots to uh, I had lots to talk about. I had a rapid fire in this first segment, but we got to tied up on the Major League Baseball thing as we should have. Uh, that was uh, that's the most I think is as you said in our group chat today. That's kind of the big story coming from the weekend. Um, yeah, let me uh, let me play you this uh, because everything does seem pretty rosy and kumbaya in hockey compared to where they are in baseball. Well, may- maybe hold your horses a little bit. I don't know. I'll let you be the judge. Here's former NHLer and uh, one of the fan favorites here in Calgary. Here's Kevin Bieksa, former Canuck and Duck defenseman on uh, Sportsnet 650, our sister station in Vancouver, on their morning show today. While lots of people are excited about the pending and eventual return of the NHL, Kevin Bieksa, now retired from the NHL, says from who he's talked to, maybe uh, pump the brakes just a little bit. I just know that last uh, announcement of training camps beginning caught the players off guard. The players weren't aware of that announcement. They didn't weren't aware that that was coming. So um, a lot of guys that I, a lot of friends that I have and a lot of people I've talked to that are going to be playing, they still don't have their equipment. They still haven't skated. They're still very skeptical. They haven't been told anything by their team. So I'm, I'm skeptical. I obviously want hockey back. I'd love to cover some games and, and watch it on TV and get the, and get everything back to normal but i wouldn't jump the gun if i were the fans i wouldn't get your hopes up uh too much yet there's there's still there's so much there's so much to figure out not only with the safety measures and protocol and everything but you know if you, i don't even think it's been discussed with the union and the league how they're going to divide um hrr like usually historically the players play for free in the playoffs and the bonuses that they get are paid for by themselves well there there's no money so that you tell me the players are going to come back leave their families sacrifice their health and get and get no money for it. Yeah. Guys' contracts expire in two weeks. So how are you going to extend mm-hmm. guys' contracts? What about guys that are UFAs? Like, there's there's what about a team that has no chance really of advancing? Like, and they got to go back and play ten games, you know, like and, and sacrifice. Like, hockey players are not used to taking off lots of time. There's some guys that'll take off like a month in the summer, but there's there's three months, three and a half months that have gone by, and nobody skated, and few guys have been even really 
trading like they would in a normal summer. This is a dangerous time. And you know what? Selfishly, I, I think the players, um, you know, they're in the position where they can really hold back and, and, and do well for their CBA negotiations if there's anything that they want to accomplish in the next collective bargaining agreement. Anyways, we're, we're getting too, too specific yeah. here, but uh, th- th- my, my message is let's just be careful here because there's, there's still a lot to figure out. So Kevin Bieksa says pump the brakes a little bit on the excitement for the NHL. Now, there's lots of time for all that stuff to be figured out that Bieksa just talked about. That was him on our sister station, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver today. It's June 15th. Training camps are slated to open on July 10th. So there is, that's almost a month, Klein. There's, there's definitely time to work that stuff out, but I guess the, the, the biggest thing that I take from that is there's still work to be done, and there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Here. There's still a lot of legwork that needs to be completed by the NHL, and it just goes to show you how much goes into restarting a season in the midst of a worldwide pandemic after a four- to five-month break. Like that's th- th- This is one of the biggest challenges ever undertaken by the NHL, and I understand skepticism from players. I understand frustration from all sides. But I still believe this is a worthwhile endeavor, and I still believe getting this done, and I do believe it will get done, I still believe that's that's a very important step to take. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, like you like we've been saying for a while, every time you answer one question, six more are going to pop up. Like There are just so many different things and so many logistical hurdles that you, you have to, to get over to get this whole thing going there's obviously still going to be a a lot to work out and probably still going to be some as we get to within hours of training camps opening back up. There are so many questions involved with this. Just to counter uh, one of uh, Mr. BX's points there, um, him saying that players aren't used to having this much time off, I don't know if the fix for that is giving them more time off uh, between now and when the the start of the next season would be. But no, there's absolutely, there are stories out of Vancouver of one of their players and no one's naming names, although a lot of conclusions are being jumped to um, that. One of the players is just astoundingly out of shape. Uh, And and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that. Honestly, there's going to be a lot of guys who maybe aren't in, in tip top shape. And that's the reason why the NHL has set the, the three week training camp or just kind of everyone's assuming that, but they are going to let the players kind of figure their, that out for themselves too. There's so much that goes into this. And each time we figure something out, there's going to be a number of different things that just spider off of that. So no, we are, we are far from in the clear in, in the planning stages for the NHL, but I, I, I still believe that we're going to be seeing hockey on our TV in a couple of months here. And uh, to wrap it up, basketball's got their own issues right now. A couple of prominent NBAers yep. have, have come out publicly to, you know, make a stand and say maybe returning isn't the best idea. Not so much in the midst of a pandemic, but in the midst of the social unrest that we're seeing in the United States. Uh, both Kyrie, or Kyrie Irving and, and Dwight Howard have come out and talked about that. Plus, there are from everything that you're hearing, there are players that are concerned about not having their voices heard when it comes to deciding the format, specifically the format when it comes to being in a bubble and what the regulations are in the bubble and some of the health concerns that they feel haven't been worked out. So it's like not like the NBA is without their issues right now either. Yeah, the everyone not having their voices heard. At some point, you're just not. Like there's going to be around 300 players in that bubble it's going to be tough to get a unanimous vote on anything with that. So as far as the players wanting to have their voices heard, I think they had pretty ample representation in this whole thing. So I don't, I don't necessarily pay too much 
um, put too much weight on that one. The the social issues one though is absolutely a a big deal. We are seeing how impactful those protests are down in the States. And I can understand NBA players, A, wanting to be a part of them, lending their name and lending their voice to this cause. But also, uh, I believe it was Kyrie Irving who, who said pretty plainly, look, when our games are on, people are going to be inside watching them and not going out and not protesting and, and not trying to continue this movement. And I, I can see that being a, a huge moral dilemma for them. And you're starting to see a, a bit of a split in the Players Association when it comes to this, because I believe it was Ed Davis, the former Raptor, saying that it's one thing for Kyrie and for Dwight Howard to have $20 million mansions and be like, no, yeah. we just won't play this year. But there are quite a few players who are making around a million dollars and things of that nature. And again, we, we shed no tears for millionaires here, but there are players who would probably like a couple more game checks or eight to be specific. Like there are probably a few players who are relying on those things. So it's, it's a fascinating discussion to me and one where there are very few parallels. I mean, probably none when you combine a, a worldwide pandemic as well as the, the social situation of this moment that we are living in right now in North America. It's, it's a fascinating, fascinating discussion. Yeah, it really is. And we'll see if, uh, We'll, we'll see what happens in that regard. But, yeah, the whole thing. I, look, there's a lot that goes into restarting a league uh, amidst a ton of social unrest and yep. amidst a worldwide pandemic. And, and more than I think anybody um, would have ever suggested that these leagues would be prepared for even three or four months ago. Hey, coming up on Friday, Sportsnet 960 teaming up with our good friends at Wild Rose Brewery. We're celebrating Father's Day everywhere on Friday. Tune into the morning show with Pinder and Will. Afternoons with Logo and Klein uh, for your chance to win a 12-pack of Wild Rose and a $50 gift card to the tap room. All you have to do is listen for the cue to text each hour on Friday. It's that easy. Winners will be selected and contacted throughout the day. All you got to do is uh, go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 for more info, but be tuned in for the morning show and the afternoon show on Friday, and you could be winning a 12-pack of Wild Rose beer, and a $50 gift card to the tap room at Wild Rose every hour on Friday. Happy Father's Day from Wild Rose Brewery, wishing you and yours health and safety during these challenging times. We support you, the hardworking characters of Calgary and the rest of Alberta. Let's talk some hockey with Lou. A Monday appearance from Peter Labardius. Coming up next, it's Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Pat Steinberg, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon along with you. And uh, good opportunity to say hello to our good buddy, Peter Labardius. You hear him when Flames games are playing. You hear him when Hockey Central at noon exists. Right now, during a pandemic, you hear him every Friday morning with Will Nolt as part of the nine. Uh, and we haven't had a chance to say hello to Lou for a few weeks on the afternoon show. So we wanted to do that today. Hi, Lou. <laughs> Hi guys. Any uh any candy requests today? No, but those have been <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you guys enjoyed them. Like everybody's buzzing about them. And uh, anybody that you talk to that that is hilarious because, you know, you're a staple on this radio station. You um your your personality is very well known to so it's it's perfect. Like anybody who listens to this radio station on a regular basis has to find those hysterical. So I tip my hat, my friend. Those have been outstanding. Well, listen, I tip my hat, to be honest, to, you know, the guys on the morning show led by Boomer in terms of his ability to write 
towards how I would best represent myself. So I had the easy part. They had, they had the hard part, but I'm just, it, uh, my favorite part was I tune in every once in a while, just to listen to them giggle. That was, that was my favorite part of the whole thing. And let's face it, gents, um, with all that's gone on the last few months, if anything could provide a laugh, a giggle, or a bit of a diversion, I'm up for that. I am completely with you. Um, <laughs> it's it's insane uh, what this this last uh, this last little bit has been like. Just uh, where are you right now? Like we have more news on an NHL return. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about that? Well, you know, Pat, I would say this. I'm I'm optimistic. I was listening to your first half hour and was interesting to not only listen to what you guys talked about baseball-wise, but even near the bottom of the hour with Kevin Bieksa. And, you know, he is guardedly optimistic that it's all going to come together. Um, And I would probably, to be honest, put myself in the same category because with every passing phase – don't you guys think it requires a few more I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed? I do. You know, when, when you really lay out the parameters and it's crystal clear to everybody in terms of what they're going to be asked to do and what they're going to be asked to do it for, you know, things can really set in and make you evaluate a little bit differently at that time. Now, the great part is, to this point in time, I think hockey's handled it very well. And what I really hope, guys, is that hockey doesn't allow what is allowing, especially baseball, to get in its own way. Like, we just, I truly believe this. You have to assess and go about your business according to the time that we are in. Not under optimal times, but the time that we were in, that we're in. So if it means right now for the good of the sport, the good of the fans, the good of sponsorship, the good of just giving people diversion and building good equity in your bank account, I think those things are really important. And when push comes to shove, I hope that doesn't get missed. And that that is, and we were just, and you, you were clearly listening. But yeah, that's that's exactly where I am. Is that like this this whole thing in Major League Baseball is? I, I get it that there is bad blood over the last number of uh, number of years, number of decades between the two sides. But like this is now is not the time to to dig no. in. Now is not the time to make this about only your best interests and that's what's so frustrating on both sides is that that's the only thing that is is being discussed right now guys you know what it all boils down to and it's it's really difficult and i don't think it's ever been more difficult than it is in what i like to call the social media era and because where people really get to a better place is when they actually discuss and they're actually interested in getting to the middle And I'm not blaming everything on social media because there's a lot of great things about social media. But I think it creates this, well, you see what they said? Now, immediately, without really understanding all the context and implications, instead of really stepping back and communicating, 
the message, don't you guys think it gets lost? Hundred percent. And then it becomes then it becomes you know, again, I've been doing a lot of reading during this course of time. And one book that I've read talks about, you know, humans are incredible at getting in their own way for this incessant need to be right rather than happy. And in the baseball world, that's all I'm seeing right now. Like, would it, in all sincerity, now it's easy for me to say, listen, we get it. We all have to take care of ourselves. We all have to do good business. We all want the best for ourselves and our closest friends and family. But we're talking about people who have made millions and in some cases, guys, billions of dollars. And are we not, you know, my good buddy Kelly Rempel and I, we joke a lot about it's about time for the world to get back to the back to basics tour. Like everybody needs to remind themselves a little bit about where they came from and why they do this in the first place and about what has been provided by virtue. And I don't take anything away from anyone in terms of what they do and what they accomplish and what they earn, because that's hard work and it requires work and commitment and dedication. And not everybody can do it. Most people by and large can't. But just for a second or two, get out of your own shoes for a minute and think about what you're really fighting for and think about more than just what's going to happen tomorrow. Because you know what? You're okay. Most Major League Baseball players and pro athletes, not all, and they're, they're different and I get it and it's about setting precedent. Everybody's out to do the best for themselves. Mm-hmm. But let's just think just, at a certain point of how much do you really need? Do you know, do you know what baseball would do if they came out and just said, you know what? We're fine. We're fine. We're going to split whatever revenues that we're coming in or however they want to get to that. Can you imagine what the talk would be amongst the fan base? If they just basically said, okay, the rest of this shortened season we're going to split basically whatever is coming in as fairly as we can. And we're going to go play. We're just, we're going to go play for the, for the end of this season, we're going to play and we're going to do it under those circumstances. Cause we want to give back for the good of the sport and, and what's we going on right, give, now, right? right now. Is that easy for me to say? Sure it is. And I understand that too. Am I losing Am I losing money or those types of things? And do I understand, you know, if, if you've done what you've done and you're being, but again, how much is enough? Like what LeBron James and his family and their family after that, or, or Bryce Harper, like, come on, like stop for a minute. Well, people in your neighborhoods, you know, don't know where their next job or their next meal is coming from. You want to be a leader? That's leading. You want to talk about team? That's being a team. Isn't isn't the world right now asking us all to think a little less about I and a little more about team? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if If Major League Baseball and the players just all of a sudden, like, you know what? We took the weekend, we, we just watched some really nice documentaries and just realized 
we need to get our stuff together, so we're coming back. Do you think baseball fans will welcome them back with open arms, or do you think there's already been a lot of damage done? Um, I think there's been some damage, but here's my next statement. You know who really controls where it goes next? The fans. So how willing... How willing are people when they've taken this approach are people going to be to say that's not okay? Or am I missing something? Most of the time, most of the time our want and need of it, and I would be right at the front of the want and need line, supersedes everything else. So we, we welcome back with open arms. And in fact, if you take a look at certain sports, they've probably benefited from work stoppages. If I were them, I'd be careful. Yep. Yeah. Because I'll tell you this, I have no trouble saying this. Unless, unless it means my ability to put food on the table for my family I'm not spending one more cent out of my own pocket for 10 years to go watch Major League Baseball if they don't get it figured out. Yeah, it is so it is infuriating knowing the the situation we're in. So, but um, it's not easy. That's the other thing. It's not like we don't get to these places for no reason either. Agreed. It and- is it is big business and and you know, we're not in we're not on the inside and you know, we're not, we, you know, we just don't have enough, frankly, education on all that goes hand in hand. And they're trying to set the future for the next wave. But at a certain point, enough is enough. And on the baseball front, you know what? A lot of mornings, granted, I know it's not the same scale. I, I think they're playing baseball in Korea right now. Yep. Either either that or I've been dreaming a lot in the early mornings or late <laughs> nights. And you know what? The second biggest baseball league, as far as I know, is the Japanese Pro League. They're about to start. Yep. Well, they're going to find a way. Korea's found a way. The Chinese League has found a way. Don't tell me that you can't find a way. You don't want to find a way. Yep. Sorry. No, I uh, I agree completely, and and I it's infuriating right now. The I guess the good news would be Labardius is with us. It's Peter Labardius, Pat Steinberg, Peter Klein, along with you on the program today. The good news would be that it, it does seem like, and I, and I know that not everything is perfect, and there's still a ton of legwork that need legwork that needs to happen between now and whenever the NHL restarts and when we start seeing guys playing again, but. Uh, this is uh, this is this is more exciting. It feels more like you're getting ready for something, and and you can start to dive into things like, hey, you know, what what would a series between the Flames and the Jets look like, and who's got the edge at which position? What uh, do, I, I'm I'm curious as to like, have you have you started to make some plans about when you're coming back to rejoin us? Have you started to do a little more? Prep? No, Those because not, you know what? To be honest, I would be delighted. I'm just I'm I'm not I'm not sure yet because you know like everybody else listen I'm I'm more than excited and ready to to dig back in and be a part of 
something regular and, and really start, you know, getting into it. Now, before July 10th, and depending if indeed that happens, you know, that that's, and listen, you guys have been doing this show the whole time without any knowledge. And, and frankly, I, I think even at that, for people in our business, it's, it's made people better because we can't do it the same way we normally can. But no, Patty, I'm, I'm, listen, I've said it before when we were on the air together, all three of us, you know, with Logan a few weeks ago, um, I'm as fascinated if indeed the puck ever drops as I've ever been before. And it's because of how different the circumstances are and who's going to handle it and who's going to put in the work and who isn't going to let, you know, maybe the bothersome things about it being different get in the road. Like, I can't wait to watch it happen, if indeed it happens. And and I do. I, I think I do. I think it's going to happen. I do. I do. What's what's interesting is, like, the, the actual, from just a strict hockey standpoint, and Klein and I were pretty fired up last week when we were able to actually have hockey conversations. Klein and I were arguing with one another about the goaltending situation in Calgary. Mm-hmm. We, when we finished, we're like, yeah, it feels pretty good to have a conversation about actual hockey things and, and you know, not be talking about um, speculative things and, and conceptual things. Uh, think about think about the Flames and the Jets. We have next to no uh, intel on what a series would look like between them because they haven't played since October. They haven't played a game in an arena uh, since last season. No. Uh, I, uh, I I think this series could be absolutely enthralling whenever they actually get it going. Well, I, I mean, I'm hopeful it's going to be. The hard part is, and, you know, depending on whether we're on the radio or not or being asked these questions, you just used a phrase that was really interesting. We don't have a lot of intel. We don't know. We, we, really, we really don't know. And, and it's such a different scenario. And I've likened it a few times to, you know, on a massive type scale, what it's like for teams who get ready for, you know, World Cup, where, you know, you go through your summer and you get ready and you come back and you have a camp and you have a couple exhibition games and whammo, you know, in this case, even more so, you know, because at least at the World Cup, you have a round robin to set yourself up. But but you guys know what I'm saying. Yep. You don't have a lot. Of, if you want to win something at the World Cup, you don't have a lot of time to get your A game in order or you're done. And this is very much going to be similar. Um, and then the hard part in terms of breaking it down is, you know, you guys both, I think, know how uh, important it is for me in terms of analyzing to be able to see things and see things with your own eyes. Yeah. You know, meaning even when training camp happens, what, like, is there going to be any access? Are we going to be able to watch it on the computer? Like, what's that going to look like? Because those couple weeks leading up, I think it'd be more interesting to watch if, if you're into that or it's if you think about that kind of stuff than ever before for sure ever before because of its newness and different timing and and all of it so you know i i i i've thought a lot about just the basic standards of maybe who has an edge or who doesn't um but because it's it's so different and in understanding this 
you know, is it any is it any different, guys, than in a sense outside of we're going right into the teeth of it and the most important stuff right off the bat? Patty, you've heard it at nauseum for a long time. To me, this is a this is a new season. You know, it's 2019, 2020 officially, but we're starting new. Yep. I don't care. I don't care how you lay it out. Are we not starting new? They've had all this time off. All you're doing now is basically saying we're going to have the playoffs in October. So you better be ready. You better not stumble out of the gate. And what do we do all September long normally? You know what we do? Well, we know who the rosters are. We try to break it down. We take what happened in the years gone by. And what do we try and do? Forecast how the team's going to do. And then what do we ask ourselves? At least I do. How often does one year play into the next? Not very much. Which has been more apparent in in recent years than ever before. Right. Especially here the last two years. Well, right. So, (laughs) so again, so again, I think it's, it's never been more difficult to forecast and predict and match it up. And yet it's going to be potentially so exciting to blow your socks off. So, you know, I, I've had a couple of good friends, a guy that I worked with for a long time, Bill Wilms and Shaw. Now we can't because we're in sports radio, but his great line to me a few years ago was, Hey Lou, why don't you get out of the prediction business? Well, I can tell you this, trying to forecast and predict this one. And I know certainly one guy, maybe both of you, isn't afraid to drop a few shackles and have some fun with it. I tell you right now, there ain't much in my account, and I'm certainly not starting to play that game when the NHL comes back. Uh, I might wait a couple games, but um, as far as the <laughs> as far as the playoffs are concerned, to me, a, a whole lot of it, and I guess I mean I'm kind of describing just hockey in general, but so much of this is which team's goalie is going to get to their A game the quickest. I agree. I, I, think, I think that's the position that's the most interesting in this whole thing. Might be the most, you know, in, in a sport where that position is just massive. I, Mr. Klein, I couldn't agree more. It, it really, truly starts there. It absolutely starts there. Because, A, it's so incredibly important in any meaningful game at any level ever. But does it not even kind of move up a notch or two when you probably need more from that position because your team game isn't in order yet? I say yes. Yeah. Could be a lot of sloppy play in front of them, right? There could be. There there absolutely yeah. could be. But guess what? The, the other part of it is there will never be a more exciting first game of a season ever than this one. You're not going to have to have anybody be worried about, hey, how do we pace ourselves or guess what? Patty, here's another conversation we have a lot of. It's hard for good teams a lot of times to convince themselves in October and November, you know, to be at a high level. Guess what? You don't have a choice this time. No. Especially (laughs) the best of five. Right. Like you, You play two bad games and you're almost done. You're done. You know, when when the new season starts, then we can get back to having those conversations again about how games in December and January, you know, might not feel the same. But that's what, again, that's what makes it so much fun, but in its own way, so hard to predict and to forecast because 
You have no room. You got to get there like right now. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Kleiner right asked you about goaltending and I, I do this. I do this half in jest and, and half seriously because, you know, I, it feels like years ago that we were in the hot stove lounge doing pre mm-hmm. post game shows. But I, you know, one kind of does. I, I, I don't even remember what a game day feels like at home. I really don't. It's bizarre. No. Um, and I try. I'm like, what does it feel like? But it's you love the 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 day to day goaltending conversation. And by love, no, I can't. I, I can't get enough of it. And by love, I mean you don't really love it. But no, I don't. It is fascinating because sure it is. When when we were like coming out of that Vegas game, the mm-hmm. last game the Flames played. Um, at, at that time, you know, Cam Talbot had been the guy for a couple of months that had been p- trending better than, than David Riddick. But here we are to your point about everything starting new, like mm-hmm. you're basically back to square one. And uh, like, is it an open goaltending conversation for who starts scheme one? Is it, does, does Riddick have the leg up again? Like he did in September. And I, I asked these things all rhetorically cause I don't mm-hmm. know the answer. Well, again, it's so it's funny. Because what you have to ask yourself, Patty, is this. While things at times seem so short-sighted, and in the playoffs they are more short-sighted, it's, it's all the things we've been talking about the last 20 minutes. But here's another factor. That is, people, in order to grow and get better, have to have some important reps. And are there any better reps than... You know, like, let's say David Riddick starts game one. I don't think David Riddick has any playoff games yet in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I know that. So so what's most important? Because that still figures in. That still figures in. Yep. At least it would for me. You know, if I'm... If I'm in Jeff's chair or I'm in Brad's chair, don't tell me they're not. I mean, just think about how neat it would be to have those conversations. Because at the end of the day, it's what's best for your team. Yep. And, and, and the combination that I always try to, you know, at least hope to steer people to think about is you can't be completely single focused by and large at times. There's always got to be kind of, you know, most of it on today. But again, it's it's all building a team and building a winning team is there's lots of steps that go hand in hand. Now, you know, if you're asking me to assess who I think is going to start game one, and we're, we're going to have lots of time to get there. So let's get there on another day. Um, I, I'd probably, I'd probably go David, but I'd probably go David with a short leash. Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of that's kind of what you and I, despite despite us kind of going around it with some arguments on some different subjects, I think we both settled on the same thing, did we not? Last week, that probably Riddick yeah. for game one. Yeah, yeah, and I think we we both kind of echoed what what Lou said, where it's Riddick for game one, but he's got to earn game two. Yeah. Well, who's won a playoff series in your goaltending tandem? That would be Mister Talbot. Should have should have won two. Let's be perfectly honest. But that's for yeah, well, yes, I'll give you that. But again, that doesn't matter because it didn't. But you know, and and the other thing that you always have to ask yourself in terms of trying to win is is we don't always appreciate it the way we should. But who truly gives you the best chance? Yeah. 
when you think about the team, the makeup of your team, the kind of opponent that you're going to face, you don't have a lot of time to play with. No. Training camp is going to be fascinating. Um, before we let you go, it'll uh, lead in nicely to our next segment. Um, we're going we're gonna to delve into who should win the Hart Trophy this year. The regular season has been deemed complete, so we can get into that. There's uh there's some good players, man. Like there's yeah, there, there there's is. some good seasons. Who would if you if you were a, a professional hockey writers association writer, who would get your number one vote for the uh, for the Hart Trophy? Nathan McKinnon. How come? How come? Yeah. Um, just because for me, when I think about the season, how much of it he had to go through and produce without Colorado's other best people being around him and how he continued to produce and lead the abs to the spot that they are, it would be hard for me not to go in that direction. And that's to take nothing away from the guy up the road. Um, But you know, Pat, with me, it's not always just about numbers. As a matter of fact, it's rarely just about numbers. And I think... You know, there's there's something really to be said about, you know, my definition of great players is people that can still play at a high level and make others around them better. Now, you guys, I, I haven't heard who you guys think yet. I haven't heard that part. But, you know, and I'll be honest, I haven't had a lot of time to think about it or really get to it. But was there a guy in the league who went through like more injuries and everything and still did a better job producing and leading his team to that kind of place. Yeah. Uh, there might be for you guys who like, where, where, where are you guys in that vote? Not, not, or, or is that the next segment? It's the next segment, but okay. Okay. I don't want to spoil it then. I'll, I'll give you a quick spoiler. Okay. Uh, my, I don't disagree with you. That's good. That's my, that's my spoiler. Oh, okay. Well, Okay. <laughs> I'm uh, All right. I'm on the same page. So All uh, right. That was good. Uh great to hear from you, pal. Uh yeah, we'll, you guys too. Uh we'll hear you again on Friday morning with Will. Uh I always enjoy tuning into that after the fact cuz rarely am I up to listen live, but I always listen after the fact. So uh <laughs> shocking. And uh it's been good to hear some of the uh the curveballs that have been thrown your way. So uh it's yep. been good. Be well and hopefully yeah, you uh, guys too. we see you in the flesh very soon. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully one of these days we get a plan and uh, then we can really get after it. Agreed. Thank you, pal. Okay. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Peter Labardius on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza. Pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. It's 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. McKinnon, McDavid, Dreisaitl. Somebody else. I do have a good somebody else to throw into the conversation, too. That's when we come back. Hart Trophy. Who should win it? Pinder and Steinberg into our number two next. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Calgary guys staying at home. Ryan Pinder and Pat Steinberg talking sports, pop culture, life, and anything else. Your afternoon diversion is right here. Stream online at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Download the Sportsnet or Radio Player Canada apps. Pinder and Steinberg are on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Logo, might be time to completely get rid of that big voice guy one because none of that is accurate anymore. I'm not at home. I'm uh, in the... uh, 
in the downtown studio for the first time since March. So back at the downtown studio uh, until, you know, we're back other places. But uh, for now, it's good to be back downtown. Uh, so that's not true. And Pinder's not on the show. So it's Klein, Logan, and Steinberg with you today. None of that None of that is accurate. We can probably get rid of that now. Yeah, that's that's enough of that. I mean, the uh, Pinder thing started it, but yeah. yeah. Um, maybe we shouldn't play that anymore, seeing as how you're not at home. Eight guys in different places doing radio. Nope. It's a it's miracle. A miracle. <laughs> Sarcasm. I'm very sarcastic. I don't know if you know that. Uh, welcome back to the program. Good to chat with Lou last segment. Uh, we finished that chat with Lou by talking about the Hart Trophy. So, Labardius says Nathan McKinnon, Hart Trophy winner. What do the rest of us say? And I'm curious on this one because, guys, Leon Dreisaitl finished the season with 110 points in 71 games. He was the NHL's leading scorer by a large degree. He had a 13-point lead on the next leading score. But would Leon Dreisaitl, none of us being Professional Hockey Writers Association members, uh, we'll have a couple on tomorrow, and Chris Johnston and Elliot Friedman join us tomorrow, and uh, we can get their takes. But uh, would Leon Dreisaitl get your number one vote if you were to be voting on the Hart Trophy right now? My answer to that question is no. He would get a top three vote, no question, but he would not get my number one vote. What about you, Kleiner? Uh, I, I I said to you guys during the break, I thought I was going to be on the, the different side of everyone else after what I saw on Twitter, but he, he's not my number one either. And look, it is stupid close. He had a tremendous season and, and I thought was just an absolute dominant force with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah, that's that's enough of that. I mean, the uh, Pinder thing started it, but yeah. yeah. Um, maybe we shouldn't play that anymore, seeing as how you're not at home. Eight guys in different places doing radio. Nope. It's, a, it's miracle. a miracle. <laughs> Sarcasm. I'm very sarcastic. I don't know if you know that. Uh, welcome back to the program. Good to chat with Lou last segment. Uh, we finished that chat with Lou by talking about the Hart Trophy. So, Labardius says Nathan McKinnon, Hart Trophy winner. What do the rest of us say? I, and I'm curious on this one because, guys, Leon Dreisaitl finished the season with 110 points in 71 games. He was the NHL's leading scorer by a large degree. He had a 13-point lead on the next leading score. But would Leon Dreisaitl, none of us being Professional Hockey Writers Association members, uh, we'll have a couple on tomorrow, and Chris Johnston and Elliot Friedman join us tomorrow, and uh, we can get their takes. But uh, would Leon Dreisaitl get your number one vote if you were to be voting on the Hart Trophy right now? My answer to that question is no. He would get a top three vote, no question, but he would not get my number one vote. What about you, Kleiner? Uh, I, I I said to you guys during the break, I thought I was going to be on the, the different side of everyone else after what I saw on Twitter, but he, he's not my number one either. And look, it is stupid close. He had a tremendous season, and, and I thought was just an absolute dominant force with the Edmonton Oilers. Um for long stretches of this, basically the entire season, you don't get to a uh, point and a half per game and suck, right? Like I, I think he was absolutely excellent. But with all that said, you look at the season that Nathan McKinnon had and he puts up uh, 35 goals, 58 assists, but 
the the thing that kind of draws it to me is that he has four fewer uh, even strength goals and only four fewer even strength points than Leon Dreisaitl. And you look at the players who were gone this season, like he his second most used line combination was Burakovsky and Donskoy, which is a bit of a fall for, from what Nathan McKinnon is used to. I, I think you look at that, there are a couple underlying numbers with Dreisaitl that just don't sit perfectly with me. So uh, I think in the end, when, when you take a bit of a deeper dive into it to, to steal a, a segment from this show when we used to have sports, um, uh, I think if you take a deep dive into this, Nathan McKinnon comes out just a, a scratch ahead of Leon Dreisaitl. A couple of nerds talking about <laughs> advanced stats. It's our deep dive. Thanks, Kirsch. That's yeah. your idea on the segment and then just crushing us with the splitter. Ready to get your mind blown? Here we go on our deep dive with Pinder and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960, the fan. <laughs> cool. So we cool. We paid a guy to say poof. And we did. He probably charges about $80 a minute. Yeah. Um, and to, McKinnon would get my number one vote, too. 43 more points than the second leading scorer on the Colorado yeah. Avalanche, which was Kale McCarr. Miko Rantanen has only played 42 games this year. Gabriel Landeskog's only played 54 games this year. Nazem Kadri's only played 51 games this year. He has not had a full complement of guys, and yet the Avalanche are still a top-four team in the Western Conference on his back. And not all on his back. Like There's been very good... Samuel Gerrard's had a great year. Kale McCarr could be the Rookie of the Year. Valerie Nachushkin's had a nice return to the NHL season. Um, Burakovsky's been a great find for them. Like It's not just McKinnon. The goaltenders have been good, but... This team is not fighting for top spot in the Western Conference if Nathan McKinnon does not have a season. Now, in saying that, the Edmonton Oilers aren't fighting for home ice in a regular playoff year without Leon Dreisaitl. I understand that. I'm not saying that Dreisaitl's not important. He clearly should be a top three guy, and if you were to vote him number one on your on your ballot, and you might have one because Kleiner and Logan and I don't, uh, I would understand it. But for me, what McKinnon has done, what you, because I'm, I'm right with you when you take, take a look at the even strength points and the underlying numbers, uh, I think that who he's played with and who has been out in Colorado is important too. And look, McDavid was out in Edmonton and Dreisaitl still put up points, but I just think McKinnon has been more important to his team than anybody in the NHL this year. So he would get my number yeah. one vote. Uh, are you dissenting uh, or, or is McKinnon your guy too, Logo? Uh, McKinnon's not my guy. Who do you got? Uh, my guy's Panarin. Because that was going to be oh. the guy that I threw in. He was yeah. my third guy. Artemi Panarin needs to get way more love in this yeah, conversation. He really does. For a free agent to, to hop into New York, uh, the Rangers, you know, somehow are still in this thing because of a weird season. But uh, for a free agent to jump to New York where they've, you know, for the most part struggled this season, he puts up 95 points in, in 69 games. The biggest thing for me here, he's always been a advanced stats, uh, pretty strong player when it comes to that. But this year in New York, his offensive zone starts uh, percentage-wise have dropped uh, massively, and he still put up huge numbers this year. Uh, and the guy, I just don't think we're talking about him enough as a guy who, out of those 95 points, only 24 of them, we're on the power play. Nobody That's in the crazy. NHL has more even strength points this year than Artemi Panarin. Yeah, and I, and I, and he's not. Guess who his most um, his most frequent line mates are. Anybody want to take a stab? It's it ain't Zab me. It ain't me. Who has had a hell of no. a year too? 
Oh, Artemi man, Panarin has Rangers. played with Ryan Strom and Jesper Faust almost all, all year long, and he's put up 71 even strength points. How Nobody, dare you? Not dry side over a couple real Fast. drivers there. <laughs> and, and remember, when Panarin first entered this league, people talked about how, well, Artemi Panarin's only got points because he's playing with Patrick Kane. Excuse me? He's had better years since going to Columbus and now the New York Rangers. And every year, it's like they take good players away from him. They're like, you know what? This guy can still, you know what? This year, Peter Klein and Pat Steinberg are going to be your line mates. Please continue to put up points. And he'd say, okay, 71 points. Nobody's got more even strength points in the league than Panarin. He's done it. And, and look, Stroman Foster, NHL players, but they ain't, they, they ain't driving lines for Artemi Panarin to do that as a winger in this league and to drive his line like he does. The Rangers are not in playoff contention without him not and without close. him single-handedly handedly driving their entire even strength offensive machine this year. Like he has turned them from being an absolute joke into a competitive, competitive playoff contending team. So I actually yeah. have McKinnon one Panarin two, dry settle three as, as my heart trophy ranking. And you go Panarin one Logan. Yeah. He's my number one. Uh, I do wind up putting uh, McKinnon number two. Uh, be, you guys laid it out. Uh, pretty expertly there, and look, it's not—it's not a Calgary-Edmonton thing. It's not anything against Drysail or anything. I just have a hard time voting a, a Hart Trophy winner to a guy that I don't think is the best player on his team. It isn't the most valuable guy to that team, period. So uh, it's just—it's really difficult. I mean, yeah, forty-four power play points, all that sort of stuff. I just think what Panarin and McDavid are able to do uh, as far as driving their offense forward on their team. It's really hard for me to to give the kind of respect to Drysaddle when he's just not the guy in Edmonton. I I think, with all due respect to to this conversation, I think Leon Drysaddle for the most part was the guy in Edmonton this year because of so. I mean, you look at the numbers he put up; it, it's just stupid how, how good he was. Um, I, I I like where you guys are going with Panarin though in this. I I do like that quite a bit. And sorry, I'm a bit distracted. The fire alarm is going off in our building. Oh, uh, I was wondering. I what thought that a truck was. was backing up into your apartment for a second. Do you uh, need no, to leave no, the building? Uh, well, I, my my wife and our cats are going uh, right now, and they're going to let goodness, me know the, the, the severity of the situation. Yeah, they'll they'll be all right. Um, but I'm you know going to at least grind it out to the rest of the segment, and then heroically jump off of our second floor balcony. I'll give you a. I'll be perfectly um, honest. But anyway, with you. just to in my just in my to, uh, in my twenty story a uh, twenty six story building that I live in. There was a stretch there where about every week we had a fire alarm at midnight to three in the morning. And by the end, yeah. I just would get up. I'd look out the, uh, my people on the 20th floor. If there were no flames, I'd go back to bed. <laughs> that's probably yeah, bad for me to that's say. terrible advice to say on the radio. If there is a fire alarm in your building, don't listen to Pat. Make right. sure Apparently there's not an actual like fire. So uh, this could be interesting, <laughs> but um, the the balcony below us is really big. I could hit that pretty easily, and then just go down to the back alley after. I, Please I think, be floor, safe. I think You're gonna hurt so yourself. I'll, what floor are you right. on? But just uh, the third floor. So okay. yeah, I'll be alright. You might only break uh, your just, legs if you jumped. Right. I'm worried about his to, head. To, to further to further the, this conversation and get this back on track a little bit. <laughs> I like that? you guys are going with Panarin. I, I think another part of it too, um, like. He is taking some of the biggest matchups away from Mika Zabinajad. So Zabinajad 
can have some of the, the breakout that he's been having. And I think Zabinijad's been excellent. Um, I'm with you on the, the players we have in the top three. Obviously, our uh, order is a little different. But um, another player who I think should get at least an honorable mention, um, and he probably won't get as many votes, but I, I think we have to include Connor Hellebuck in this conversation. There were times where Neil Pionk was a top four defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets this year, and he still has them within 0 .01 percent, uh, points percentage points away from being locked into a top eight spot in the Western Conference. So I think Connor Hellebuck deserves to at least be part of this conversation. Yep, he, and he definitely he definitely got some consideration for me. Um, so I, I, I think that it's, it's very fair to put him in the conversation. I just, McKinnon, Panarin, Dreisaitl are kind of in a, kind of in a class of their own. And look, McDavid probably would have finished with close to, Drysaddle's points had he been healthy and hadn't missed the time he he played this year, but I still think right. you have to put when a guy has a point lead as as large as he has this year, you still have to he he still needs to be in the conversation at some point, right? Like it's 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 tough to it's tough to say that he doesn't belong there um, just because forty four of his points were on. He's still number two in the NHL for even strength points. Like Drysaddle had sixty six even strength points. And Panarin at 71. So he's still he's still top two in the league in that regard. So for me, McKinnon, Panarin, Dreisaitl, those should be the three. I think Pasternak had a great year. I think McDavid had a great year. I think Hellebuck had a great year. There's other guys that had great years. But those are the three for me. And it's tough for me to put anybody else in there. Hellebuck knocking on the door, though. And if you, depends how you feel about a goaltender being in the conversation. That always seems to be a contentious issue. If you're for a goalie being in the conversation, then Hellebuck would absolutely be that guy. Yeah, no, I, I just, uh, again, I, I'm with you on the top three, but I, I think Hellebuck deserves to, to be in the conversation for sure. Anybody else we're not considering, Logo? I, I don't think so. I, I think that, uh, you you know, fair is fair with, with Dreisaitl as far as points and the fact that he, you know, does finish 13 ahead of anybody. The, the point on Pasternak's an interesting one. Uh, that we don't mention because he's so balanced, like ridiculously close to a, a 50 and 50 year in goals and assists. It's just something that is so hard to to do to score 50 in this league and be putting up the assists that he did. Um, it's funny that he, you know, probably doesn't crack the top five for most of us. But when you look at it, there's a lot of guys that just had outstanding years this year. And there's very little between anybody, probably one to five when you're, you know, you really have to dive yeah into it to, to come up with, you know, flaws between these guys. Here, uh, here is a little bit of what we've got on the text line at 960-960. Um, I don't think point total should be a significant factor in the Hart Trophy. There's the Art Ross and Maurice Richard for that. Uh, this reads, you guys are going to infuriate Oilers fans, but I have to agree. Yes, he's the leading scorer in the league, but I have a hard time calling the second best player on a team the league MVP. Um, this goes, if it comes down to the definition of the award, if going by the true definition of the Hart Trophy, then McKinnon and Eichel have to be one, two. Going by common sense, though, I agree with your three. Eichel's an interesting one because, again, much like McKinnon, Eichel was that team's offense, and there really wasn't anything else beyond that. That's, that's, how, that's how important Eichel was. So I, you probably, at the very least, need to consider um, having that conversation. Kleiner, you got to go. So Logo and I will uh, hold down the fort here. Uh, be safe, please. I, I've already, He's already told said, him to go. Kleiner has to leave. His, 
Kleiner's at home. There's a fire at his place. There are fire trucks there. Now, in big buildings, fire trucks show up as soon as the fire alarm goes. Like, there could be a false alarm at my building. Four fire trucks show up every time. But better safe than so. Yeah, like someone could have left a panini in the oven too long, but let's be safe here. One time a dryer blew up at my building. We were out of the building for about five hours. They brought city buses over in the middle of the night so we could stay warm. It was awful. Uh, This reads, my vote goes to McKinnon as well. An absolute chasm between him and number two scorer, Kale McCarr. He may not have hit the 100-point mark for the third consecutive season, but he should get the heart this season. Hall won the heart in 2018 for doing something similar. Uh, this It's probably bad to say this, but I want Drysaddle to lose the heart just for the pure, pure entertainment value and how Oilers media is going to lose their minds over it. I wonder how um, Jim Matheson's new Twitter account will do. <laughs> the one the first the one. one in French. The, first... <laughs> the one in French that uh, is uh, talking about inappropriate things. Oh. Somehow Jim Matheson, Hall of Fame writer in Edmonton, somehow his Twitter account got hacked by a porn bot. It is unbelievable. <laughs> and now she, she's got 40,000 plus followers. And she's tweeting about things and more than the actual Jim Matheson. It was just so oh, good. Oh, it's unbelievable. Where do you stand on that on that point? Just before we, I know we got to go to break here, but where do you stand on on where do you think it? You think writers are going to go for dry side? I don't think it's clear cut, man. Like I think it could be a number of different guys that wind up getting it. I'm not sold that Drysaddle is going to walk away with this thing. No, I, I don't think Drysaddle is going to be uh, like I don't think it's going to be a lock. I am fascinated to hear what both Elliot and CJ say tomorrow when we ask him about this. I believe the deadline was 3 o'clock today for when the ballots had to be in. So all the professional hockey writers in the PHWA have put their ballots in. Um, so now they, can talk, they can't talk about their full ballot, but they can talk about who's at the top of theirs. I'm curious what you know. two guys who were on the national NHL scene see. Um, and that would be interesting. we should say specifically out east. Yeah, national. I, I, I don't want to. Exactly. I don't want to be that guy, but it's true. Right, we both live in Toronto. Yeah, and uh, Wes Gilbertson's going to join us later on this week. He's. Uh, I'm curious to see where he would be leaning on this one. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm. I'm curious as to how this one goes. I think it's going to be extremely tight. I'll say that much. Uh, we're going to continue doing year end awards league wide. And locally, um, we're, we're going to talk some flames and, and do some year-end stuff on the flames. Like, for instance, we were going to do today who was the biggest surprise for the flames. We'll hold that off till tomorrow because we don't need to wait. We're still waiting until July 10th, and we're still waiting until the beginning of August for hockey to begin. We can still stretch out some of our segment ideas. We don't need to jam them all in uh, right away. Uh, but, yeah, maybe uh, think about that for tomorrow around this time. Because the... Uh, Who's the biggest surprise, pleasant surprise, on the Calgary Flames this year? We'll delve into that tomorrow on Pinder and Steinberg. Friday on Pinder and Steinberg, show's going to be hosted by Logo and Kleiner. And every hour, same with on the morning show with Nalton Pinder, every hour from 6 till 10 and from 2 till 6 on Friday, we are teaming up with Wild Rose Brewery to give away some awesome, awesome hourly Father's Day prizes so father's day is on sunday and on friday we're celebrating every hour a chance to win a 12 pack of wild rose beer and a 50 dollar gift card to the tap room 
be tuned in. We'll give you a cue to text. You do that. It's that easy. You could be winning a 12-pack and a $50 gift card at the tap room. That's coming up on Friday. Happy Father's, Happy Father's Day from Wild Rose Brewery. Wishing you and yours health and safety during these challenging times. We support you, the hardworking characters of Calgary and the rest of Alberta. Let's keep the, the hockey talk going. We'll focus in on the flames around the corner. It's our weekly chat with Ryan Pike, and that's next on Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg continues on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's time for our regular Monday chat with Ryan Pike of FlamesNation.ca. Lots to get into from a Flames and hockey standpoint today. Hi, Piker. How are you? Ah, not bad. How are you, bud? I'm all right. Uh, Continue on in our conversation from the uh, last segment. I don't know if you heard it or not, but we were talking about who should be the... uh, if, if you were uh, voting on the Hart Trophy, who would get your number one vote? We were all, uh, Klein and I went McKinnon, uh, Logan went Panarin. Who would get your number one vote? I got I got to go McKinnon. So another although, non saddle vote. Take on the station, uh, Leon Dreisaitl is really good this year. Really, really good. He, he's, he's in the top three for me. Don't get me wrong. Like, of course, a couple of other friends are like, oh, it's just because you guys are in Calgary. No, it's we gave pretty good reasoning to the situation. I mean, there's a, almost a 50-point gap between McKinnon and the rest of his team this year, and Rantanen and Landeskog and Kadri have all missed significant time this year. Like, Avalanche are not fighting for top spot in the Western Conference without McKinnon. Panarin leads the league in even strength points, five more than, than Dreisaitl. And look, Dreisaitl getting 44 power play points is not something that you take away cra- like. Dreisaitl has been among one of the most dominant and important players on his team this year. He should be one of the finalists for the Hart Trophy. But if it were me, Nathan McKinnon would get my number one vote. This is going to be a year where, like the PHWA, we have our balloting completely open. So, you know, when when the awards are announced, you'll be able to basically skim through everybody's ballots. It's a it's a fascinating exercise. This is the kind of year that I kind of wish we could do the same thing with the, the Ted Lindsay Award, which is voted on by the Players Association, because there's going to be some fascinating ballots for both the players and the media in terms of who is the most valuable player of the NHL this year. Yeah, yeah the Lindsay Award is going to be interesting this year. Okay, uh, and tomorrow we're going to do the most surprising Flames player. Uh, who would uh, who would be yours if you could uh, if you had a vote? Pleasantly surprising. Oh, it, uh, it, it has to be Andrew Mangiapane. I mean. You know, when for a guy who came in and he was making fifteen grand over league minimum, and he managed to, the only player who is definitively better than him and even strength consistently all season was Elias Lindholm, and Manager Panny was a de- definitive number two there, and he was one of those guys where he elevated every line he was with. You know, he's he's a guy who can play any situation, he can play with anybody, he can play out of side. Like he's he's just good. And he is probably in line for a fairly significant raise this summer. Yeah. Or yeah. fall or whenever the. Whenever. Well, apparently contracts are getting signed today. Ryan Reeves resigns in Vegas for two more days, two more years rather. And, and Winnipeg signs a prospect goaltender. Flames have signed a prospect goaltender today, a one year, two way deal for Archim Zagadulin. Um, it's, it's interesting. All of a sudden now there's some contracts being signed today. What did we make of, uh, you, you keep a close eye on Stockton, his first year over in North America. He uh, started a good chunk of games for the Heat in the American League. Tell us about the year Archim Zagadulin had. Zagadulin's a guy whose numbers do not really reflect how he plays in the sense of, you know, his goals against average was up close to three. His save percentage was below 900. Uh, if you just look at his box cars, 
you know, there's nothing right home about, nothing really sexy there. But he ended up winning more games this season than uh, than John Gillies did, and you know, the, he sort of earned the nickname Big Snag Zag in Stockton because you know, in a close game, he would make the saves to keep the game tied or to keep Stockton ahead. And you know, while he was just one of those guys that was probably prone to a few bad games. You know, he's in his first year in North America and he's, you know, his game is a little bit less mature than uh, some guys who've spent more time here. He was one of those guys that, you know, if you were in the third period of a tight game and you needed a guy to sort of, you know, calm things down and make saves to give your team a chance to catch your breath, he was a guy who was able to do that very consistently. And I think that's one of the things that the the Flames were hoping they'd get out of him. Uh, and it's one of the things I think they really like out of him because, you know, when the chits are down, he's going to win games for you. I, uh, I, I, I like, there's a, there's a lot to like about the, the highlight reel for him. I'm, I'm interested in what continues with Zagadulin. So a one year two way deal for Archim Zagadulin today. Now what's interesting is he, is he on this flames expanded roster when we get to the restart? Like it, you can take from everything that I've been led to believe and, and from everybody I've talked to at different NHL teams, teams are going forward with the assumption that, not just the assumption, but with the understanding that even though it hasn't been made final or, or official by the NHL, 28 skaters, unlimited goalies, and most teams are going with four goalies. So if you assume Riddick and, and Talbot and then two others, would it be Gillies and Zagadulin? Would that be just the no-brainer that those are the four goalies that are on this team's roster once they uh, join the hub city and, and start playing games? I think so, but I'm going to make a case for Tyler Parsons. I mean, he's he's a restricted free agent. He's almost definitely going to be re-upped. Uh, uh, he, based on his Instagram, it looks like he's he's staying active in, in Michigan. He's uh, you know He looks like he's still in game shape. He's got some sweet new pads. And he's also a guy like John Gillies is a group six free agent whenever the season ends. And so, you know, let's be honest. He, he, John Gillies probably is what John Gillies is going to be. And right now what that is, is a very reliable AHL starter, but long-term he's probably not a guy you want to invest in. So if the idea is that, you know, you and I've joked about this in the past, if you're going down to your third goalie in the play in a playoff series or a playoff round, Things probably aren't going to go great for you. I mean, we we saw we saw that in 2004 when you know Vancouver went down to Alex All uh, against the Flames in the first round. Things didn't turn out too well for them, nor would you expect them to. So maybe you know I think the the conservative thing to do is just say go with Gillies because you know what you have. But Parsons and Zagadulin could both benefit from the experience, you know, the experience of being on an expanded roster. Uh, I think if you need to use someone in games, you probably want to use Gillies because he's the only one of the minor league goalies with any NHL experience. But, you know, if you want to invest in your young guys, you know, Zagadula and Parsons could use the exposure. It's interesting because you said we kind of know what Gillies is at this point. Another thing that I think probably not in the Flames organization next year. Like, uh, like that's, I'm not, I'm not saying that with any knowledge. I don't know what the plans are, but, I don't think it would surprise anybody if the team decided to walk away and, and go and, and let both sides go their, their separate ways. And Flame said, we're just going to decide not to sign you next year. Like we're talking about seven years since his draft year. Now uh, he was the third round pick in 2013. If they were to walk away, would it be a total shock? No. And I, and I think that's sort of a mutual thing too, because you know, let, let's be honest, the, the, you know, Gillies has had it, had, had, had his chances, 
but especially now, I mean, you know, depending on what happens with Cam Talbot, you know, if if you're if, let's just say the Flames go to John Gillies and say, hey, you want to you want to come back for a year, why would he want to? Uh, I don't know if there's a definitive spot for him in the Flames organization. You know, rather than sort of run in place in an organization that already sort of has a, a notion of what he is and sort of you know has a, a definition for him. You know, he, he could go somewhere else and maybe get better AHL money. He could go somewhere else with less depth. Uh, you know, he's, he seems like a guy who could be pretty valuable for for an organization, but for a group like the Flames, who uh, you know that Riddick came in and overtook him, Parsons, you know, came in and outside of Parsons' injuries, I think Parsons has given the opportunity to overtake him. You can make a good case that over the last years, Agadulin, in a certain degree, has overtaken him. And you know, I, I think if you're the Flames, I don't think you sort of have you know John Gilly's name on your depth chart whiteboard with all these hearts and smiley faces anymore. I think, uh, yeah. you know, the, the prospect is yours, probably Dustin Wolf now. And I think, you know, probably a trend we're going to see probably throughout the organization that right now is there's going to be a lot of guys signed to one year deals so that in a year when Dustin Wolf is ready to go pro, they can figure out what they want to do with them. So, you know, if I'm Gillies, I want someone to make a commitment to me. And if I'm the flames, I don't know if I really want to, because, you know, he isn't really a guy who's, you know, uh, impressed to the point where you want to make a commitment so what ryan pikes with us from FlamesNation.ca. what does the rest of this expanded roster look like so let's assume that they do t- like it's finalized and you take 28 skaters and and as many goalies as you want so the 28 skaters from the american league like are they taking anybody but forwards like they're so they're so deep on the blue line to begin with with the two acquisitions, with Shillington, with Stone, maybe Valamaki if he factors into this thing. Like, do they take any defensemen from the American League, or is it all forwards that they're bringing with them? Man, I could see them taking Alexander Yellison because he's seen some games. But, you know, again, like Yellison's a guy who could probably benefit from the experience of being on the expanded roster and sort of getting some reps in and practice. And, you know, logistically speaking, you know, if you're going to have a, a main practice group and then sort of your your black aces sort of skating separately, maybe maybe you bring in Yeltsin so you have another right shot defenseman and so that you have four extra defensemen who can sort of, you know, get reps in together. Uh, but beyond that, it's, it's going to be very forward heavy. I mean, you know, uh, when he was speaking with us about this weeks and weeks ago on his uh, conference call, Brad Living sort of mentioned that, you know, they've had a bunch of guys who have been up with the Flames this year. And, you know, given given the circumstances, you're not going to, you know, it's going to be a very short camp, like two weeks. It's not a traditional training camp. And then I believe the plan is two weeks of camp, and then they go to the hub cities for a couple of preseason games. And then they're a few more practices. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably, you, you want to bring in guys you're familiar with. And, you know, we've already seen Matthew Phillips skating with the, the practice group. And he seems like, a, you know, he, he and Glenn Godden are probably the most obvious no-brainer guys to bring in because they're probably the two players who are the closest to being uh, full-time NHLers. You know, Buddy Robinson has been up. You know what he's going to give you. Alan Quine was excellent for Stockton when, when he was down there. He seems like, you know, you know what you're going to get with him. Austin Zarnick is definitely, you know, he was great in the AHL. So I see guys like that. I don't know if there are going to be any surprises, though, because, you know, like you and I, you know, last week, I think we joked maybe Pelche, maybe. But again, like, you know, outside of maybe the numbers game, you know, Pelche might sort of get lost in the shuffle. So, you know, what, why uh, why haul him all the way over here if he's not going to have a chance to play? But I don't know. They, they have a lot of different things they could do, but I think they're probably going to err on the side of caution and be a bit conservative and just go with the guys they know. Yeah, and I mean – 
it's, uh, it's 28 players is still not a ton. Like you don't necessarily have the ability to bring along. A, I mean, you could, cause you'll have unlimited goalies. You could bring Dustin Wolf with you if you wanted. And I guess you could try to make way for Jacob Pelche, but then you're probably leaving a guy who is better suited to jump in right away behind. So yeah, I think that's going to be interesting when, when it comes to it. The interesting one is, is Valimaki. Is he, is he part of this thing? Just to be along, like if he plays, we know that the worry is there about him being all of a sudden eligible for the expansion draft. So there's that, but I wonder if they bring him with them just so that he can be around for the experience, seeing as how he's really been disconnected from the team all year long. Yeah, and you know, let's see, like let's let's be blunt here. He's had a crappy year. I mean, you know, he basically, you know, he had the tough uh, high ankle sprain injury, and he was down on the farm team for the, for a good chunk of 18-19, even after he had that great camp because, you know, high ankle sprains are an absolute pain to come back from. Uh, you know, he came up for the playoffs. He's good in the playoff games he played in, but, you know, the rest of the team wasn't, so he didn't really have a great finish that season. And then he has the, the injury late in the summer, and then he loses a full year, and he's he's worked so hard to come back. And I think I think they'd like to reward him for the work he's put in because, you know, being injured at these last two years kind of sucks. And I think for him, I think it'd be good psychologically for him to sort of get a chance to be around the group and be part of it because, you know, he's sort of been on an island on, on his own, basically this entire year. Heck, like even during the, the coronavirus outbreak, like, you know, when the rest of the team, you know, everyone had to go home for everything, you know, the, the players who were under, uh, you know, under the, the rehab assignments, you know, they basically had to keep working. So yep. even when everyone got sent, like, oh, you know, everyone, health and wellness, everyone go home. Not you, you so, you stay and work. So I think for, for him, getting him a, giving him a chance to sort of be a part of the group after ostensibly not being a part of the group for ba- the better part of the last year and a half would be good for him. Um, So now the question is, is training camp going to be here or is training camp going to be elsewhere? And until we know... There, there, we, we keep on hearing reports and seeing reports on Twitter that the government is going to come out with an announcement that could help Canadian teams hold their training camp here. But until that announcement is made, the Flames can't really make a final decision as to whether or not they're doing training camp at the Saddle Dome come July 10th or if they're going to have to go south the border. That's, that's a really interesting story to watch. Everything that I'm led to believe and, and from some of the hockey people I've talked to in the last little while... They all believe that that announcement is coming, but still hasn't been made. So I think the the Flames want to have training camp in Calgary. They want to do it here for logistics reasons because it's familiar, because the everything is just a whole lot easier when you can do it in your home building and um, everybody knows exactly what the protocols are at the Saddle Dome and guys can come back to their homes in Calgary and all that type of stuff. They want to do it here, but if they can't, if if guys are going to have to quarantine for fourteen days, as as we read last week when when Brad True Living spoke to Francis, like they'll go to the states if they have to. It might cost them close to half a million dollars to do two weeks there. That might be a little steep, but it's going to cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to the states and and do a training camp there. But if they have to, they will. I'm I'm really curious to see how this plays out in the next little bit. Yeah, and, and we've also seen some stuff from uh, from you know your colleagues at Sportsnet just about some other logistical things. I mean, you know, there's the, there's some reporting there that uh, Elliot Freeman did over the weekend about just the the visa situation because you know as you and I you know you, you mentioned earlier, contracts uh, traditionally go until June 30th because you know free agency day is July 1st, but 
you know, they won't now this year. They're going to they're gonna need to, to extend the contracts. But part of extending the contracts is you have to extend the visas because, you know, players like say, you know, you, if you and I were playing for the Flames, well, we're Canadian citizens and we were born here. So playing, you know, working for a Canadian company in Canada, we don't need anything fancy. Right. But, you know, for all the American players and all the Swedish players, and et cetera, I think the Flames already have about 13 or 14 guys who need to have their visas renewed. And because of the, the COVID situation, uh, obviously, you know, immigrate, the Canada's immigration folks are having a heck of a time with the workload. So uh, I believe uh, the, the report Elliot had was teams are being, players are being encouraged to be back by June 21st. Um, and that's sort of, you know, it, you know, Michael Backlund, for example, you know, he has a young kid, he has a uh, you know, wife and pets and everything. And I think, you know, him and a lot of other European players were hoping to spend as long as humanly possible at home with their families because they might not see them for two, two and a half months. Uh, but depending on what happens with the, with the, the quarantine situation, they could have, you know, if there's no, if there's not going to be a strict quarantine, for a July 10th uh, training camp, they could probably show up, you know, the day before. And then maybe they, you know, we heard the, I think the report said of Vancouver was their proposal was we'll just extend the quarantine bubble to the whole team. And then they're only going to be able to hang out with each other for two weeks. But, you know, that way the players can show up on July 9th, then quarantine while they practice for two weeks. But if that doesn't happen and with the, the whole visa situation, players need to show up potentially three weeks earlier than they would otherwise. Yeah, And, you know, it's, you know, granted, you know, we can we can all you know joke like, oh, you know, they get paid for it. And yeah, you know, they they no one's under you know, under any misconceptions. These guys aren't well compensated. But in the midst of like you know a once in a lifetime stressful situation for everybody, you know, telling these guys, oh yeah, by the way, uh, tell your wife and kids see you later. You won't see them. You know, we gotta leave three weeks early. That's uh, that's you know, it's, it's stressful. And you know, I don't know what can be done about it because you know. Every time you and I have have one of these chats every week, there's things the league is still figuring out, and I think the the league and the PA are working together on these things. But there's a lot of stuff that they can't figure out on their own. A lot of stuff that sort of has to be imposed on them. So it's uh, hopefully they figure things out soon. I mean, they need to figure out the the two hub locations and base of the hub locations. That opens up a whole other logistical can of worms in terms of travel and camps, and this and that, and the other things. So it's gonna be weird, man. I mean, it. it I, if you, are you are you getting optimistic that we're actually going to see hockey? Because for me, it's like okay, you know, it's like we don't know when Christmas is, but we see you know lights are starting to go up on houses and people are going to are starting to put up stockings and stuff, and maybe Christmas is coming, but no one's announced Christmas is coming, but we have target dates for Christmas. It's weird. That's I do think they're going to play. I, I I would be shocked at this point if they don't get the season in. It's just. Or don't get the the resumption of the season in. It's just it, you're right. It is strange that okay, July 10th is when this training camp is theoretically supposed to start, but nobody knows exactly when they need to be back, and nobody knows exactly where they're going because specifically Canadian teams. I think every Canadian team other than Toronto needs to figure out whether or not because most of Toronto's guys are there already, so the Maple Leafs are going to have training camp in Toronto, but. What about Calgary? What about Vancouver? What about Winnipeg? What about Montreal? Uh, the, these these teams don't know if they're holding their training camps in their home cities or if they're going to have to go south the border to get around the, the mandatory self-isolation. And then 
okay, we think that Vegas or or Chris Johnston has reported it, so we know that Vegas is one of the hub cities, but what's the other one? Is it going to be somewhere in the States, or is it going to be Toronto? Again, if this border stuff gets figured out, it's it's all, like, July 10th is a long way away on one hand, but on the other hand, it's not so far away, and players need to figure out when they need to be back. So you're right, it's kind of like, we know it's coming and there are target dates, but there's still so much to figure out between now and July 10th and between now and when the puck drops on these exhibition and, and play-in series games. It is going to be one of the most fascinating months that we've ever covered. I, I really do believe that. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the league a lot of credit and the Players Association a lot of credit. I, I mean, you know, I was listening to your, your, uh, your hit with, uh, with Lou earlier when I was out getting food and, you know, I, I share his mindset of, you know, there's the utter frustration with major league baseball and the inability to get their ducks in a row. But you have to admit on a certain level, I mean, the sport we cover, we've lost, you know, basically two full seasons in the last, like what, 25 years, 20, you know, the last in recent memory, two full seasons, because these are two groups of players and the owners have historically never seen eye to eye. And now it seems like this is, it's weird because it seems like this, feels like a very collaborative process you know we don't have you know the the big public outcries like baseball's having or like the nba's having or you know like uh, the nfl's having here and there about you know players thinking that the plans are stupid they're not being consulted and you know we're hearing whispers that we might get a cda extension to sort of ease the transition because what's the salary cap going to be uh we're not sure we might not be sure for a few years so coming up the bridge for that i mean this it, labor peace feels weird man because we haven't had labor peace in this sport for yeah, at least as long as I've been covering it. No, uh, it's, it is it is a weird situation to be in, knowing that they seem to be, you know, Donald Fear downplayed it a little bit when he uh, joined, I think it was when he joined uh, Writer's Block with Jeff Blair and co. a couple weeks ago. He said, I don't know if it's been totally cordial, but yeah, it's been productive. Even for Donald Fear to say it's been productive and not have some sort of spin on it shows you that this thing is at a significantly better spot than it has been in decades. So I'm with you there. There is uh, there is that positive to this whole thing. Uh, good stuff, my friend. Uh, tell us what's coming up on Flames Nation here in the next little bit. Oh God, I got to come up with more content. Uh, we're we're doing a lot more. Uh, we're doing uh, some more dig-ins to the the one game wonders. Uh, we talked about uh, one of the, one of two players who played for both. Uh, the, actually, there's a, a player who won a Stanley Cup with the Oilers, who was drafted by the Flames. That's just downright weird. So that's on the site. And you know, as as we get closer to actual hockey, we are going to have actual hockey news. But you know, we'll, I've been spending my week going through old games and sort of looking at tendencies and looking to you know what are the keys to the Flames' success when they get going again. Because you know, before you know it, we'll knock on wood be watching actual hockey. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Pike. Take care, buddy. Ryan Pike of FlamesNation.ca on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Logan, are we confirmed? Klein is okay. He survived the fire alarm? It seems so. It okay. seems as though the... Uh... Incident was not a fire, but fire trucks were called. So okay. it seems like we'll have Peter back here which, for Wild Card Wednesday. Which means we can get nice and weird and creepy with Peter Klein next. Wild Card Wednesday on a Monday. Next on Pender and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's take a spin and find out all the things we never wanted to know about our afternoon show. It's time for Wild Card Wednesday. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right. Final hour of the program. A uh, quick programming note. 
before we uh, get Wild Card Wednesday underway. Um, final few weeks of kind of our pandemic schedule. We're targeting the first week of July, starting Monday, July 6th. is kind of a resumption of our normal schedule, which means morning show back at 530. Uh, so Boomer crack in the air at 530 uh, with the boys. Uh, that means that we are uh, back to having our local edition of Hockey Central at noon. The Scott Rintoul Show will return from 10 till noon, and Pinder and Steinberg will start at 1. So we're kind of targeting July 6th. Not 100% confirmed, but that is the goal right now, is that come July 6th, that's the first Monday in July. We'll be back to kind of our pre-COVID schedule. Hockey Central at noon kicking us off for the afternoon. Uh, local from noon till 6. Um, and then local in the morning from 5.30 until 10. That's kind of what we're looking at right now. But until until it's official, it's not official. But that uh, I am looking forward to getting back to our morning show starting at 5.30 to our afternoon show starting at 1. And Hockey Central at noon with Lou every day. We'll bring back the Flames Roundtable. All that stuff is targeted for July 6th. Welcome back to the program. Uh, it's Pat Steinberg, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, two of us in the same location. Logo and I here at our Sports 960 downtown studios. Kleiner is still at Shea Klein. It is, uh, it is Wild Card Wednesday with our five categories in our little virtual casino. Pop culture, personal life, career, sports, and wild card. We've been doing this every second day during the pandemic for what feels like months at some point it'll go back to its old once a week's uh, schedule but we're not there yet um i'm looking forward to our monday edition of wild card wednesday klein before we get there can you confirm that you are safe after the fire alarm in your building uh yes i i am here i am uh, I, I am all good to go very much like in the uh, the muppets movie and tiny tim who did not die uh, that would be me. All, all, all safe here at uh, at Shea Klein. Okay, I was worried. I'm glad to hear that you're okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you were. Yeah. Uh, Logo, you're safe as well. Yeah, uh, as well, far as I'm, you, so I don't yeah, know. I'm within five feet of you, so I've never actually been better. Uh, good to see you too. <laughs> it, it is nice. It was nice to see Logo's smiling face when I. I haven't seen people in my own work area in months, months. It was very strange. It's still honestly strange to be sharing. A studio with somebody. It's a, it is. I, I quite enjoy it. It's good to have a human interaction during my workday again that isn't just through my headphones. So uh, that's been nice. Uh, as such, um, Logo, who I have got to see in person today, uh, Logo is going to lead us off on our Wild Card Wednesday segment. Let's do it. Sports. Oh. I have a couple for sports, and I'm trying to figure out if I want to, which way I want to go with this. Um, okay, it's kind of COVID-related, but okay. uh, we'll we'll take it to the NFL, one of the leagues that hasn't started yet, but we're presuming will start normally, uh, for somewhat normally in the fall. If you were going to a B, or excuse me, if you're going to watch NFL football this season. And things were presumably normal-ish for the NFL. Would you like to see them make any changes for COVID-19? Like, if they're going to do something special for the NFL season this year, what would you like to see them do? Like, in terms of what? In terms of, like, new ways A of season. Like, are they going to do... Like, would you like to see them do a hub city? Or would you like... Like, what kind of COVID things do you think the NFL could see this season? Well... 
I mean, I am interested in seeing the expanded playoff format, and and that is that is what's really interesting to me is that remember that was I believe we were pre-COVID when that news first came out they were going to do uh, the expanded playoffs. I'm excited to see that, and and I guess the thing that is interesting to me is look, the United States in different spots is is having some of their highest case totals to date, like Texas, Florida, like the, these these are now situations where the case totals are extremely high because they have reopened and and i'm not saying that it's right or wrong i'm just saying based on raw data that the case totals are high i don't know what that's going to look like in september but let's just assume that in september when the nfl season starts that we're talking about not everywhere in the country being the same and and some places having higher case totals and some places being pretty close to being out of the weeds if that's the case, I, I'm curious to see if the NFL imposes restrictions across the league on how many people can be in buildings despite what the local regulations might suggest. And so I'm interested to see what interesting ways they could pump crowd noise in or artificial atmosphere on our broadcasts. That's that's the thing that I, I'll be interested to see is, okay, Let's just assume that we're not going to be talking about full capacity league-wide when the NFL season kicks off in September. So how do they make it so that the TV experience still gets you amped up and still gives you some some atmosphere, even though we know there's not going to be building uh, people in the building? That's that's going to be interesting. I was watching um, I was watching the AFL over the weekend, uh, Aussie Rules Football, and Sydney Swans and Essendon, the the Bombers, they were playing and. Uh, it was at the SCG in Sydney, and they had 350 people there. Uh, it, it was not, I believe it was 43,000-seat stadium. 350 people were there. But still, they were able to have people back. But They were pumping crowd noise through either on the broadcast or in the building. New Zealand had 43,000 people out to a game a rugby game in Auckland because they have uh, essentially eradicated COVID inside their borders. So life is back to normal in New Zealand. But uh, I just like to see, even if there's only 2000 people in stadiums, how they make it. So atmosphere comes across on TV. That's the one thing that I'm curious and and interested to see. And I want to see some creative ways that they can do that. Yeah. I I haven't seen one yet. That's really worked. Um, The, I think the one that's the the most obvious uh, to steal a wrestling term, the most obvious botch is I believe it was the, the soccer league in Spain tried to do virtual fans and it looked absolutely atrocious. Um, I, 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 like it looked like an old N64 sports game. It a hundred percent looked like the, like old WWF, no mercy with the crowd. It, It was so bad um there is the so one no, that I, did sex dolls i believe in south korea there yeah, was the, uh the, the, the stuffed animals, animals. yeah the korean baseball league really with the stuffed animals is fantastic that was unbelievable yeah spongebob but in the, the front in the front row yep the, the lack of crowd noise hasn't been as much of a hindrance for me as i thought it was going to be obviously when we get into the the nhl and the uh and the nba and we're talking about playoff games and having no atmosphere, it'll be a little different than just kind of noticing that no one was clapping after a golfer made a putt. Um, so I, I, I am curious to see which way they go on that and have it not sound super forced and, and awful. My, my adjustment for the, N- the NFL, because they're, they're not going to be probably going up against college football, uh, probably not going to be going up against high school football in Texas, I would be interested to see them 
rather aggressively expand their schedule throughout the week. I mean, Thursday is already a lock. I think you could do Friday. I think you could do Saturday. Keep it going on Sunday and Monday. I think we could have NFL football for the majority of the week now, and I think that would be Interesting. a lot of fun and something something you could definitely test out. And if you are going to have to run a portion or all of your schedule without fans and you're worried about losing gate revenue, the NFL can just say, okay, we're putting up our Friday TV schedule for a, a bundle here. Who wants to give us a billion dollars? And boom, you've made your revenue back for the year. So I, I think the NFL could huh. get pretty creative with that financially. And I, I think from a TV standpoint, once you get past the basketball and hockey and god willing baseball um once we get into november and december there's going to be nothing on so if you can have nfl five days a week i think a lot of people would be very into that yeah i like that i like the schedule one a lot and i, I know my question was kind of wordy but it's just because we haven't we haven't seen or heard of any changes that the nfl is going to make yet like they they released a normal schedule and i know we're still months away from everything but it just feels like they're acting as though everything's going to be super normal, but I, I have a feeling things are going to be different by then, uh, by the time we start the NFL season. And I'm curious as to, to what they might do. The schedule one's really interesting, Klein, because I think you're right. I think a ton of people would be interested in having NFL football on multiple days of the week. And I can see that Tuesday being Tuesday night football. Yeah, not just a. Uh, COVID thing, but a, a permanent thing if the NFL were to do it. I, I really want to see a, a league like the NFL that's got uh, plenty of money behind it and stuff, get creative with the cameras and the different camera angles and stuff. If we're not going to have fans or we're going to have limited fans in the building, give me some really unique uh, camera angles. The field cam, the one that they've always done on top of the players and behind the, the offense has always been really cool, but I really want to see what they're they're going to be able to do with like camera angles and broadcasting the games and that sort of stuff because like we we know we've talked about it in hockey a bit it's kind of the last worry right now for everybody it's like health and safety and where we're going to play first but i think if all the games are going to be on tv and that's where most people are going to watch it then that could be a really cool opportunity for them to try some new things so i'm all yeah. for that i like well, it. and just just thinking uh, just a little bit further on this, if you wanted to limit the the places that these players are and limit travel and stuff like that, you could have with, with this having a, a different one on every uh, different game on every day, you could have a hub city for each division or something along those lines. And then these teams play at Foxborough on Thursday. Then these teams play at Foxborough on Friday, these teams, and you can kind of split it up that way and have teams in a bit of a bubble. So you're not sending thousands of players across the, the United States at a time where maybe travel will be a bit different. So I think there are a few ways they can get creative with all of this. Chris, they will have their super posh charters. So I don't know well, if yeah. quite the, quite as worrisome for them on the travel side. Still though, hard to go into a, a place like it's Texas true. right now. It's and, true. Yeah. You, can't, you can't put the, wrap them all in individual bubbles. Uh, okay. I'm ready to rock. Let's, uh, let's keep her going here on wildcard Wednesday. Good first question from logo. What do we got? Personal life. Uh, okay, gentlemen. Um, have you ever had a bad experience meeting a, whether it's a significant other or just a, a girl that you're seeing meeting their parents? Have you ever had a bad experience with the parents of someone that you are seeing? Hmm. 
Uh, well, to, to carry on the, uh, the proud tradition of uh, this segment being super and cringy and awkward. <laughs> yes, uh, the, yes! The, uh, the only uh, girl that I have been close enough to have met her parents is my wife, and neither of her parents are with us. So um, that, that is not necessarily a, uh, a situation that I uh, ever had to encounter. Um, and then, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a no for so, me, though. So you, are, uh, you, you have not had that experience? Uh, no, no, I have not. Count yourself lucky. I guess, guess I had to meet her sister. Um, I mean, you lived with her sister. Lived with her sister uh, and her. I want to be very clear on that. One. <laughs> uh, That's very <laughs> Just need to definitely Cla clarify that. Clarifying point. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, not uh, not not a scenario that's come up for me. Uh, count yourself lucky in that uh, in that side of things. Although um, that is uh, that is sad that uh, the. Um, the wife's parents are no longer with us. Uh, that that is the other side of it. Logo, what about client? Client has uh. gotten off scot free in that regard. And you know what? Y you've chosen the right way to go <laughs> about it, Klein. The first the first girl that you've gotten close to, and and that close ends up being your wife. And that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Um, it, it really not even just heartache, but like stress and and. Um, overall frustration when it comes to failed relationship that's the way to go you've nailed it uh i think yours is the way to go what about you logo i wish i didn't have answers for this but i do um i got yes, i got do. two um the one would be this was a couple of years ago uh, a girl i was seeing invited me over for dinner at her parents house and um i didn't know that this was going to happen i really wish i would have known but at this time, after dinner was finishing up, her sister and her boyfriend uh, were at the dinner table with us as well. And they decided that this dinner, the first time I'm meeting the family and everything, would be a good time for them to announce that they were moving back to Ontario, where his family is. And uh, this was news to my girlfriend's parents. Uh, and her mom did not take it well. No, hey. Uh, she started what, what I could only call like a Dr. Phil level of hysterical crying and being very upset um, to ending it by just chucking the dessert cake into the sink and going upstairs for the rest of the evening. Um, so there's that. That was just the most awkward dinner of my life. Thank God it wasn't anything I did. Um, because that would have just been even worse. So I'm glad it wasn't my fault that I ruined the evening, which was is new <laughs> to me. But uh, and the only other one that I have uh, isn't necessarily a really weird thing for me and the parents, but uh, a girl that I used to date, uh, her mother and my mother have become very good friends. Uh, and so I have to see that person... Uh, her mom's really nice. If only she was nicer, it'd be better. But um, yeah, her mom and my mom get along great. So I, I always get a reminder. That that you have that. Like, I have got almost. If, so that that one's incredible to me. Because so here's, I've got I've got two, and they're both pretty bad. Um, so one, uh, this would have been ages ago. Um, I, I for a short period of time, I, I dated uh, a girl at work. Uh, I won't give away any names or anything like that, but I, I dated a girl at work, and it didn't end all that well. And um, it, it started some animosity between her and I at work. At the very, like, I tried to avoid this person at work, and, and I tried not to have it escalate. And, and you know, it, it was more um, 
secondhand animosity that I found out about what was being said about me behind my back from other colleagues. Like, did you hear what this person said about you? It's like, it, it got it get, got pretty uncomfortable. Now I was not without blame, uh, and and like I put myself in that situation. A and B, I made like she wasn't baseless or groundless with why she was angry at me. So like there there was there was definitely plenty of blame probably a good chunk of the blame on my shoulders i will absolutely say that but here's the funny part so my mother is a uh, landscape designer and so she was telling me this story only a couple of years ago she was telling me the story about she's like yeah because we were kind of talking about this this person and um so she's like oh i got a story about that i'm like what do you mean you have a story about that so apparently uh my mom and this person's mother worked together in the same industry very closely for quite some time and the the other mother would always talk about her daughter and what she's doing and and so one day my mom clicked in and she was like the 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 other mother was talking about her daughter and my mom's like wait a second something's not adding up here she's like, what did you say your daughter's name was and she says it and my mom goes oh no and goes white in the face and the other mother goes no your son is Pat. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Apparently. Now, credit to both moms. They still have a very strong professional relationship and it didn't ruin it. But boy, I was like, what? You know her mom? And like they had been like fairly good professional friends for quite some time. So that was somewhat mortifying. And then uh, the second one, the first girl I ever dated. Uh, and we dated for about three years. And if you've listened to this show before, you've heard that it ended very poorly for me. And uh, it, it put me through a, um, a, good, a good chunk of uh, emotional and um, mental trauma that, had led, that has led to some other mistakes that I've made. And not the only reason why, but yeah, it messed me up for a good six, six and a half years. And so, but while we were dating, this person's mother despised me. And and I didn't catch on initially, but I probably should have with some of the uh, backhanded comments that would come. I remember this the, the 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 girl I was dating at the time had just bought a house, and I went over to kind of like help fix it up. And I'm not I'm not a big fixer upper. I'm not the the handiest of handymen in the world, but I can hold my own. I know how to use a screwdriver. I know how to use a hammer. I can do I can do things. So I was replacing some electrical outlets, not even the outlets, but just the covers of the outlets. And I remember her mom at the time was like, she said this, and I thought it was a joke at the time. Turns out it wasn't a joke at the time. She goes, this was, should have been my first clue. Oh, so you are good for something. And she said oh. that, and it wasn't, it wasn't a joke. It was, it was not. So as time went on, it, it was um, made very clear to me that me not having a university degree was a disgrace. And because of that, I wasn't good enough for her daughter. And the amount of times that would come up in conversation. Just let me, let me give you a couple examples of some of the backhanded uh, compliments or very direct insults that would come from this. Um, like, oh, I, I see so you had another long week. I bet you wouldn't have to work 80 hours if you had a university degree. Uh, that's not even backhanded or passive aggressive. That's just straight on. And here is my favorite one. Because there was a time there when, like, you know, maybe taking that next step and moving in together or marriage might have been something, right? She'd say, well, don't, don't forget that if you ever buy my daughter a wedding ring, you got to be two months, uh, two months salary. I'd be very curious to see what that ring would look like. 
Yikes. Oh, oh my god! Like this this woman despises me! Funny enough, the relationship did not work out. I, I um I can't believe it. One of the last texts was that, that I exchanged with this person before never speaking with her again. Uh it was informed to me that Oh, and by the way, my mom's never been happier. Just to just to ah. underline it, um, the mom was very much on board with it. So those would be my two examples of not the greatest relationships with the the last the last uh, last breakup I had. I'm still I have nothing good but good things to say about the human I was with and the family. I would take a bullet for every single one of them. Um, but uh, the few before that, not so great. You could say that again. Some it doesn't guys, doesn't some, sound great. Some of the texts. Some of those comments are like right in the teeth. Oh my god! Like, oh, you are good for something. Oh, oh I'm curious to see what two months on your salary would look like for a ring. Like, oh my gosh! Right to the heart. Um, on the text line at nine six zero nine six zero, my dad used to interrogate my friends, and so when he met my high school girlfriend, found out that he was buddies with her dad, even had pictures of us together as toddlers. Jeez. <laughs> Um, so at my girlfriend's place many years ago, we had Christmas supper while Christmas supper dishes were being cleared up and washed. (laughs) I was downstairs doing something fun with their daughter Mm. on the pool table in the basement. (laughs) I had to change the, uh, I had to change the wording. Um, what else we got here? Um, I had a girlfriend right after high school, uh, first dinner at her parents' house. Her mom asked how I spell my last name. Uh, I tell her, and she yells, hold on. Leaves, comes back with two Scottish tartans saying, we're from the same clan. I'm like, oh, great. I'm dating my cousin. That comes from Jimmy. Oh, not so good. Hmm. Um, absolutely. First girlfriend in high school, being a dweeb at the time, brought flowers to her house. Her dad was outside standing in the driveway, mother inside the house. Both had zero interest in meeting me, and her dad was mean mugging and shooting lasers at me the entire time. Found out later she was grounded afterwards. So that's just a few of the uh, wow. few of the texts we had. Just your presence got them uh, got them grounded. That's rough. I was dating a girl many years ago. We went back to her place and found her parents dancing half naked in the living room, about to get it on. Now that would be nice. an amazing first meeting of uh, of seeing the parents. Okay, uh, Kleiner, you've got our last poll today. Let's go. Career. Hmm. Um. All right. So for career, what is the most like out there sport that you've covered? Well, we've all done hockey and, and football to, to varying degrees and stuff like that. What's the most out there sport or event that you've covered? Ooh. Like in terms of the sport itself? Yes. Or Or the event itself. Like. The, the most like really you did that sort of thing like i i was the uh calgary drillers beat reporter for the fan 960 calgary sports radio does anybody remember the calgary drillers uh no i'm i'm gonna need a bit more info on that i one. think they played like 30 games they were a uh aba basketball team um wow. and uh i i covered their games i went to every game did like voicers for the station afterwards got some post-game interviews like there were times when there was 18 people at the corral uh, watching them play, but it was kind of cool having they they used the University of Miami basketball court. They got like one flew, flown in, so it had like you, like 
the U right in the middle. And then they had Miami in the, at, at both ends. It was like, they're actually using a University of Miami secondary court in Calgary, which which I thought was kind of cool. So that's the first one that jumps out to me, Calgary Drillers. I'm trying to think if there's any actual sports that I covered that were a little off the beaten path, even going back to college. I don't know if there have been like actually covering an event. Do you, do you have one, Kleiner, or Logo? I've kind of got one. It's not, I mean, kind of covered it, but it did like a story on it and. When I was at uh, broadcasting school and university at Mount Royal, I uh, was looking for a, a sports story for our assignment and uh, found out there was a handball game going on in one of the gymnasiums, like full-on Olympic-style handball with the nets and everything. Uh, that is a strange sport, like a mix of, of basketball and lacrosse and uh, dodgeball almost. That's probably the weirdest thing I've ever like. You have to go on YouTube to look at the videos of like legitimate handball. It's it's kind of weird, but I mean it's at the Olympics, so it's an athletic thing. It was interesting. Yeah, nice. I think I have um, now. I oh, now ahead, I remember Pat. the practicum in Grand Prairie when I was up in GP working for ninety seven seven Sun FM. Some of the high school, like I got to cover the GP Storm, which was awesome, and and going to Storm games and practices. That was cool. That was like the pinnacle. You're like this is this is one of like the most successful AJHL teams in the province. And like, they're getting 3000 fans per game. Like covering the storm was awesome, but you know, some of the GPRC athletics that I went and covered, you know, some of the, uh, some of the, the game, like the, the badminton, the high school badminton that I did like that, that was a little more off the beaten path. Now that I remember, like you did some rather uh, different things at uh, in Grand Prairie. So the, I would say badminton, uh, some of like the, the weekend volleyball stuff at GPRC wasn't super heavily attended. So covering those would probably be the one. Uh, and I think the high school badminton was the, the number one thing that I was like, huh, this is a little bit more off the beaten path than what I thought I would be covering. Nice. Yeah, for me it was, uh, I did in college, uh, radio broadcasts of volleyball which is uh, a unique experience, but did lead to one of the, the better compliments that I've ever received when someone said, you made volleyball on the radio sound exciting. And uh, to this day, uh, which is probably a statement on my abilities and lack of compliments I've got, uh, to this day, one, one of the, the greater compliments I had. But that's, I, I, I haven't done the small town-ish thing, so I haven't done the high school badminton or anything like that, but Radio volleyball uh, and describing so, that whole bit of action. What, what was, is that like? Tell us about doing radio volleyball. Like, what what are you calling? Call just calling the action. Like so and so bumps it there. She sets it to boo there and slams it down and dug out by twenty three or whoever it was. And those, so just doing play by play of the action. And and I it helped that I I was on the the high school volleyball team and all throughout high school. So. I knew what was going on and could describe it a little bit better than, and they hit it and they hit it. So I, I went like all in on it, but uh, yeah, just, uh, just painting the pictures, man. Just painting the pictures. <laughs> I would not know how to do. I think radio basketball is a, like, that's challenging enough to think about how you would do it. Like I, I have nothing but respect for the guys who do radio basketball because it's so fast and there's so many possession changes. It's not unlike that of, of hockey, but I've just always found it interesting how you call radio basketball. And that's always been kind of a, 
uh, an interesting case study for me. But radio volleyball, that's... And you, that, that's I'm impressed that you uh, got a good compliment on that. I would not know how to do that. Yeah, it was. I mean, look, wasn't easy. Not all of us can pull it off. But uh, that's that's the level of confidence I had in my abilities as a 17 year old at Mount Royal. Um, that's that part has since gone away. But uh, no, I actually I actually really enjoyed it. It was fun. And once again, the first ever uh, radio boss I ever uh, I ever had. Uh, I was listening on the text line. Tom Bedore, who used to run 97.7 Sun FM in oh, GP. Wow. Uh, he's, he's, he's come through a couple times on the text line. That's very cool. He was, he was the guy who granted me my practicum and uh, my first ever somewhat radio job. Uh, that's, uh, huh. that's very cool that he's listening. My, my first radio boss is also listening as he is my current boss. I, like in terms of like actual boss, like Kirsch is also the my first boss too, but Tom Bedore was the one who granted me my practicum. Uh, me and uh, Grant Buchanan over at uh, 97.7 uh, went up to GP at the same time. Um, Grant, who's the in 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 arena host at uh, at Flames games, along with Angela, uh, he and I went up to GP together. Drove up there. He urinated in a bottle on the way up there because he didn't want to stop on the side of the road <laughs> or at a gas station. So he he had this obsession with it, but that's another that's a story from another time. Uh, but yeah, they, we we both went up to GP at the same time, did our practicum at the same time, and shared a room in a basement together, which was uh, really interesting at times. Uh, there we go. There is another very informative and very revealing edition of Wild Card Wednesday. This has been Wild Card Wednesday on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I told you, this thing gets weird and it gets personal. Back to the sporting news of the day. Are all NHL players on board with the restart? And what the hell is going on in Major League Baseball? That's next. It's Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Pinder and Steinberg. Calgary Sports Talk in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Honestly, what in the world is wrong with Major League Baseball. We talked about this a little over two hours ago. Kleiner, I want to say we were as scathing and as negative and as bleak when it comes to the outlook of Major League Baseball. And somehow, in the last two and a half hours, it has gotten worse than it was before. <laughs> like, am I right in saying that? That somehow in the net, in the last two hours, since we were extremely bleak and lacking anything positive to say about the way the majors has gone about their business, both in the players and owners side, it's actually gotten worse since that point. Yeah. Who, who thought me calling them dumbasses wouldn't be the peak of my anger towards major league baseball. But uh, here we are. Cause yeah. Um, as soon as we said, it's looking rough. They, uh, they, they apparently said, Oh, you think that was rough? Well, hold my beer and let me go on ESPN because Oh boy, it is not looking good for Major League Baseball now. Let me read to you kind of the latest. Uh, this comes from ESPN's Jeff Passan first. Um, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred tells ESPN Greeny that he's not confident there will be a 2020 baseball season. Unfortunately, Manfred said, I can't tell you that I'm a 100% certain that's going to happen. Remember, it was only last week that he said I am 100% percent certain there's going to be less than a week and you go from 100 percent certain to not confident at all there's going to be a major league baseball season and we're we're led to believe that this is not posturing and this is uh not a negotiation tactic of course it is here's a little bit more from joel sherman another prominent major league baseball writer uh expectation was 
Manfred would use March 26 power to implement 50-ish game season at worst. But MLB anticipates soon after it imposes, Union will file a grievance that the league did not live up to its contractual word to try to play as many games as possible this year. Would then, MLB would then likely file a counter-grievance that the Union did not bargain in good faith. The litigation would take a while, perhaps years to be settled. MLB, though, if it lost, could be in a position to owe billions in lost wages for games not played. But also part of the March 26th deal, Manfred has a right to never start the season if three criteria are net, not met, including restrictions that would material, materially limit the club's ability to play games in front of spectators, None of the three have been met, so Manfred could potentially never start a season. What the hell is going on in Major League Baseball? We're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic where people are starved for people and st rather starved for sports, starved for something to watch, and starved for something to dive into. And these guys cannot get out of their own way, neither the Players Association nor the league. And anybody who is going to sit here and spin it either way that, oh, well, this is all the owners or this is all on the players is completely bonkers. This is two sides that will not get out of their own way and will not stop looking out for only number one to try and do what is best for the game and the state of their sport. And instead, they find themselves in this ridiculously laughable but extremely infuriating situation that they're in right now. This is bonkers. I, it is almost incomprehensible, Klein, how Major League Baseball and their Players Association finds themselves in this state right now. They, they keep making their situation look worse. They keep making their public persona worse. Nobody is winning here. Everybody is losing. Uh, yeah, uh, I do believe what we've seen today is in the blame game. Uh, the owners have certainly pulled into the lead as it does feel like there, there's much more anti-owner uh, rhetoric out there today than there is anti-player. So um, for, for those keeping track at home, this is kind of like a UFC fight where the entire round was spent just jostling for position on the fence. And then the horn sounds, oh, well, I have to pick a winner. You're, you're not great about picking either side. Um, so I, I suppose PR-wise, look at this. The players are losing less right now than the owners are. But no, this is just a, an absolutely disastrous situation. And I, I look, maybe the, this all is just posturing and we come away with a 50-game Major League Baseball season and whatever. But it, there's already such a missed opportunity. You would have the month of July essentially to yourselves from Major League Baseball's standpoint. And the fact that they couldn't even do that was atrocious enough. If they have nothing at all after saying, we got this on lockdown, there's 100% going to be a season. This is... This is beyond, com it was beyond comprehension two and a half hours ago before we knew all of this. And then they took it, I guess, beyonder comprehension. Like, it, it, it's just mind melting. It really, really is. And wait, there's more. This just coming oh. down in the last 90 seconds, the MLBPA and their uh, executive director or head, Tony Clark, has a statement, Logan. Uh, and now the Players Association has shot back at Rob Manfred today. Yeah, they don't uh, they don't mince any words here. So here's the uh, full release from MLBPA Executive Director Tony Clark. Quote, players are disgusted that after Rob Manfred unequivocally told players and fans that there would 100% be a 2020 season, he has decided to go back on his word and is now threatening to cancel the entire season. 
Any implication that the Players Association has somehow delayed progress on health and safety protocols is completely false. As Rob has recently acknowledged, the parties are very, very close. This latest threat is just one more indication that Major League Baseball has been negotiating in bad faith since the beginning. This has always been about extracting additional pay cuts from players, and this is just another day and another bad faith tactic in their ongoing campaign, end quote. Oh, good. So now we're hearing terms like disgusted and completely false and bad faith. Maybe my... um. Maybe my whole idea two and a half hours ago, Klein, of, well, if they come together and find a way here in the next week and and they are able to let bygones be bygones, maybe they'll be able to erase some of the public goodwill that has been lost in the last month. I, I don't know. That was maybe naive of me. It feels like years ago that I said that. It was only two hours ago. Uh, yeah. What yeah, an it, absolute it's... mess. Yeah, this is an because even like at the even going through all of this, you could say, okay, well, look, maybe Major League Baseball just forces everyone to come back, and you know it's gonna be icky, but they'll they'll have it. And now, oh, we might not not even do that. And then there's litigation that could tie things up for years. And then you remember that even if you get this sorted out at the end of next season, the collective bargaining agreement is up and these two sides are going to have to come back together um, and and put, put things in place. So I'm, I'm going to suggest in the next few days, uh, we see Vince McMahon sell some stocks in WWE again. And uh, the XBL could be coming to uh, ballparks near you uh, in, in the year 2021, because if any league is ready for some competition right now, it's made. I, I think you can get a lot of the Ugh. Major League Baseball players on board with going to a different league right now. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that things are perfect and there are no hurdles to clear in the NHL or the NBA, but at least both sides are working toward. Like each side has got their own things that they need to look out for. Each side is still looking out for their own interests but they're doing it in such a way that they're working towards the same goal and they're both pulling the same way. Like they might be pulling a little bit to the to the uh, either direction, but they're still they're still pulling the same forward. The 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 tractors going forward or or the carts going forward that they're pulling right now. I really stretch to make that visual reference, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Whereas in Major yeah. League Baseball, they are they are they're doing a tug of war, and at some point, like we're going to see arms ripped off on either side. That's that's where they're at at Major League Baseball. The, nothing is go- good is going to come of this. Like I know that NBA players right now, there are some who are not keen to return to work um, because of some of the implications it might have on some of the, the the social justice issues that are going on, specifically south of the border. And and I am there's a valid conversation about that and there are uh, NBA players who are a little worried about health and safety and and some of the protocols that aren't firmed up when it comes to being in that Orlando bubble the same is true in the NHL which we'll get into in just a second there is some worry or some consternation about some of what might go into being in two hub cities for 24 NHL teams things are not perfect and things are all not squared away and set in stone but they are leaps and bounds and light years ahead than where they are in Major League Baseball. Th- these guys aren't even out of the starting block yet. 
and who knows if they're even going to try. That's how bad this thing has become. Yeah. And it's to the point, like, from a personal standpoint, I don't even know if I want to watch baseball anymore. Like, again, as we said in the 2 o'clock hour, there are millions of people on this continent right now who are jobless and not making money, and these sides are squabbling over the shares of hundreds of millions and billions of dollars and which way it's going to go, and it's turned into a personal spit fest. I, I don't like how can how can you as an average working person who has lost their job and is relying on the government for your grocery money right now? How can you be invested in baseball knowing what they are fighting for right now? They're not fighting for anything relatable. Yeah. No, and, and I, I said from the beginning, if this was a look, we don't think we can safely do this. I got no leg to stand on and arguing against you on that one. If you feel, if you genuinely feel like your health is at risk doing this, then don't. I have no problem with that. If this was a health and safety issue, then this is an entirely and different that's discussion. What's infuriating and is that's, that it's not. We're in the yeah. middle of a once in a lifetime pandemic, and that's not the issue. Right, and that's that appears to be somewhat of the holdup in, in the NHL. It's part of the issue in the NBA where you have the NHL and the NBA talking about we're going to be away from our families for a while or they're going to be in a, a severely um, unique set of circumstances themselves and players in the NBA are concerned about what their impact, what their role can be on social issues and you have the players arguing about the portions of the $30 million contracts they're going to get. Generalizing, of course, but still, it's just... It is so hard to get on either side of this. Like it, it, and we're having people texting in saying, like, the, the top one right now, baseball is officially dead to me. This is just absolutely killing the sport. Um, and, and I, it, it's heartbreaking to watch. As someone who grew up a baseball fan and still loves the sport of baseball, it is heartbreaking to see what is happening yeah. to this sport right now when it could be, it's so easy. Just figure it out for this year. For, from a player's perspective, Quit being like losing any bit of ground this year isn't going to affect the CBA. I don't think anyone would be expecting that, but they're so stubborn and so stuck in their ways that they can't even cede any ground. And the owners know full well that's not that the players aren't going to, to give up any ground. And they still are trying to just pick away at them and sending insults that are downright insulting. It, it is just absolutely embarrassing that this whole entire set of circumstances. Ugh. Hard to wrap your head around. A couple of texts, 960960. Um, letter from Chairman Khrushchev to President Kennedy dated October 26, 1962. Mr. President, we and you ought not now to pull on the ends of the rope in which we have tied the knot of war because the more the two of us pull, the tighter that knot will be tied, end quote. It's kind of exactly where they're at right now, you know stakes not quite as high as the cold war at its height in the 60s but still the point remains uh this text as you read baseball is officially dead to me uh this sign me up for the xlb i'm i'd be there you extreme go league gotcha. baseball let's go uh todd yeah. writes is there any reason to wonder why i'm not an mlb fan both sides are to blame and they are both a complete joke um and then there's plenty who are on either side i really take no sides here like Every time that there's an NHL lockout, it's always, why should I feel sorry for millionaires fighting billionaires? And that's fair. This is, it has never been more apt than right now. It's millionaires fighting billionaires right now. And I don't know how anybody can relate. 
Yeah, I I certainly can. Infuriating. Um, no. Yeah, it is. And and it's again, just from a pure optic standpoint, it's at a time where Major League Baseball's popularity is at its lowest. And you have people in the NBA having serious discussions about whether they can go into the summer because you're essentially running unopposed on most nights with Major League Baseball and the, the way their TV schedule is and the way their ratings are. Like, the, the sport, Major League Baseball was kind of actively dying anyway, and now they're just pulling the plug on themselves. It's awful. Ugh. Well, there's that. Um, so that's fun. Baseball can't get out of their own way. I did want to play this clip one more time. Uh, before we wrapped up the show in conversation with Ron McClain a few minutes away. Um, this is Kevin Bieksa on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, our sister station on their morning show. I think that most people are pretty excited and pretty optimistic about the return of the NHL. Kevin Bieksa, fan favorite in this city, uh, the former Canuck and former Duck. He says maybe maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves when it comes to being super optimistic about the league coming back. More of a cynical view from Kevin Bieksa today. I just know that last uh, announcement of training camps beginning caught the players off guard. The players weren't aware of that announcement. They didn't weren't aware that that was coming. So um, a lot of guys that I, a lot of friends that I have, and a lot of people I've talked to that are going to be playing, they still don't have their equipment. They still haven't skated. They're still very skeptical. They haven't been told anything by their team. So I'm, I'm skeptical. I obviously want hockey back. I'd love to cover some games and, and watch it on TV and get, the, and get everything back to normal. But I wouldn't jump the gun if I were the fans. I wouldn't get your hopes up uh, too much yet. There's, there's still there's so much there's so much to figure out not only with the safety measures and protocol and everything but you know if you, I don't even think it's been discussed with the union and the league how they're going to divide um, HRR like usually historically the players play for free in the playoffs and the bonuses that they get are paid for by themselves well there there's no money so that you tell me the players are going to come back leave their families sacrifice their health and get and get no money for it. Guys' contracts expire in two weeks. So how are you going to extend guys' contracts? Who, what about guys that are UFAs? Like, there's, there's. What about a team that has no chance really of advancing? Like, and they got to go back and play ten games. You know, like and, and sacrifice. Like, hockey players are not used to taking off lots of time. There's some guys that'll take off like a month in the summer, but there's there's three months, three and a half months that have gone by, and nobody skated, and few guys have been even really trading like they would in a normal summer this is a dangerous time and you know what selfishly i i think the players um you know they're in the position where they can really hold back and 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 do well for their cba negotiations if there's anything that they want to accomplish in the next collective bargaining agreement anyways we're, we're getting too too specific yeah. here but uh th th my my message is let's just be careful here because there's there's still a lot to figure out so that's Kevin Bieksa today. That doesn't sound the most optimistic. I certainly am more optimistic about where things are. Uh, and I, I guess, Kleiner, what I would say is I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not saying that what he's saying is wrong or that I know more about what players are thinking than he does. Of course not. He played in the league. He played in the league recently. He still talks to lots of guys. And, and of course he's going to. But, but I'm more optimistic that those things get worked out. So I'm not saying that he's off base at all with what he's saying about uh, talking about frustration-wise or skepticism-wise. All I'm saying is that I'm fairly optimistic that those things that he talked about 
are going to get rectified and we'll be able to see things get started in earnest come July 10th. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's nice to, to have a sports discussion that progresses to this point instead of MLB. Or when I they come know across this problem, they'll, they'll just light their headquarters on fire. Uh, but for, for the NHL, like, yeah, no, there's still a lot left to figure out. We have a format and we have a general timeline of all of this, but there are still definitely a few hurdles to, to cross uh, if that's the right price. But no, um, I, I think, I think it'll be fine. I, I don't see this necessarily being an issue. And this is why the NHL is giving the players association uh, a bit of a blank check when it comes to how much time do they need for training camp? If, if they need three weeks, they're going to get three weeks. If they only need two weeks or or even 10 days or whatever, then that's what they're going to get. So the, the players being in shape issue, uh, I think I think that's one that you can, can figure out pretty quickly. I sure do I like anyway. I sure do like where things stand in Major League Baseball a whole lot more than I like the way things stand. Uh, sorry, let me try that again. I sure do like the way things stand in the NHL a whole lot more than the way things stand right now in Major League Baseball. Like, I'm in the 90 percentiles that the NHL is playing again. I don't know where I am under 50% that baseball is getting their season started or that it's going to end up being a peaceful resolution to this thing. It's under 50. I know that much. Stupid. Uh, Yeah, definitely under 50. Tomorrow on the show, both Chris Johnston and Elliot Friedman uh, trying to chase down a couple members of the Flames this week. we got lots to talk about. It feels more like sports radio again. Not a ton of games going on, but it still feels a little bit more like normal. Happy Monday. Kleiner, have a good have a good rest of your night, my friend. You as well, sir. Logo, be well. For Logan Gordon, for Peter Klein, my name is Pat Steinberg. Everything up today on sportsnet.ca slash 960. In conversation with Ron McClain is up next. And at 6 o'clock, it's Tim and Sid, another full edition of The Boys starting at 6. A kick in the grass focusing on soccer around the world follows Tim and Sid. Happy Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's been Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.